And Moadib stood before them, and he said, Though we deem the captive dead, yet does she live. For her seed is my seed, and her voice is my voice. And she sees unto the farthest reaches of possibility. Yea, unto the veil of the unknowable does she see because of me. From Arrakis Awakening by the Princess Irala. Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name's Mike. Each chapter, we open up a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club here, Derek. No, oh, that we do. And Mike, we're back for the penultimate the chapter penultimate. of this goddamn ah. book. <laughs> We've made it really far. We did. Coming over many dunes. We've traveled through the desert, through many a sketch and a stop. We've lost some friends along the way. <laughs> And there's still more to go. Oh, my God. Raban still lives. You can't have that. Does he? Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess there's a question mark come the end of the chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. How'd that perimeter work? That's a talking point that I want to get to. Indeed, indeed. Before we do that, though, Mike, what kind of of wine are we bringing to the table? Oh, well, it's a barren chapter. I did notice that. Mm -hmm. That usually signifies something special. And as per, uh, I think it's, I don't know how much of a tradition. I think it was just when we were high on the hog. I think Mm -hmm. that was our tradition. But we got uh, 2019 hogwash. Hogwash. It's got a big old fat pig on the front of it. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Um, Just right out of Oakville, California. Not a whole lot on it, but it's a nice rosé and... It's, it's got my favorite aspects of white wine. It's got a nice, uh, crisp bite to it. It's a little bit dry. Ooh, I was going to say it has my favorite aspect of red wines, and it's got that, like, savory flavor to it. We're just oh. merging together here. We're just like the classic, get your peanut butter on my chocolate. Get yeah, your chocolate yeah, on my peanut, peanut butter. butter. <laughs> Mike, it took us uh, 47 chapters, but we found the perfect wine. <laughs> we got there. <laughs> We're here. That is awesome. I'm going to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else we need to address before we hop into this? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, okay, because it's like a very confusing quote, and I was just trying to buy some time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I see you on the Google there, yeah. typing furiously. Yeah, wh- what did you think of this one coming into the chapter? It's, I mean, it's very religious overtones, like right. almost he's giving some sort of sermon or something to these people. Uh, but what is going on with this captive? Well, I think it's definitely Aaliyah. How many other captives are there? Oh, okay. Or maybe it's... No, uh, no, I I love that perspective. I was thinking he was the captor. Oh. No, I like this forlorn, like our person has been taking, which reflects on how uh, the emperor brings up in the chapter. Yeah. Saying the baron, did you take... Oh, were you thinking that it was... Just, uh, I'll get to my... I want to keep going with yours first to cover up my tracks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think you nailed it. (laughs) But go on. Uh, for her seeds, my see, her voice is my voice. I mean, like, you know, they're, uh, they're siblings. Mm-hmm. They both have this unique perspective of, like, seeing, uh, seeing beyond themselves, both, like, inwards and I think to a point outwards, because I think Aaliyah's got a, a lot of that prescience, too. Not mm-hmm. to the extent that Paul does, because I think he is a bit of a, a, got a mutation there. 
Sure. Yeah, both exceptions. Both. And yeah, very much. You're, so. you're actually you're you're dead on, and we're gonna confirm this a little bit next chapter Ooh. that they do have separate abilities, and there's something Aaliyah can do that Paul can do, just like there's things Paul can do that Aaliyah can't do. Oh. So that is right on. Um, and like even if uh, I guess what he's saying is, I again I don't even know that if this is Paul saying this or if this is just like uh, you know, dressed up really nice in an Irulan book. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it just has to do with the fact that, like, because we are like so closely related, like if one of us lives, the other one and their uh, legacy—that's the word I want to use. Okay, like that also will live on no matter what. Yeah, yeah, I got. I think that fits perfectly mm-hmm. for it. Uh, no, dude, that is that is awesome. I think that's exactly what that is, and it is literally Paul talking about Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. Where because we're going to reflect on how the Fremen hold funerals if somebody's taken hostage, right? And he's just telling them like, "Look, I know she lives, guys. Like, hold hold that thought. <laughs> Atreides are exceptions. Mm-hmm. We don't do this funeral just yet, and we go on and we keep marching forward. And this is like a banner, or a rallying cry, and maybe this is partly what uh, builds up into." Saint Aaliyah of the knife. Oh, because what does Aaliyah grab on the way out? She snags a knife. Oh yeah, she's <laughs> gonna go stab some people. <laughs> That's the kid inside her. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now to double all the way back to my mistake of uh, I did not catch that at all. Oh, uh, that this would be Aaliyah, and I was thinking this is more like um, Paul talking. Uh, I thought this is more like Paul talking figuratively almost. Um, with like maybe the Sato car or something that we had had, or if this is like a more symbolic, because when it feminizes the captive, I mm-hmm. thought that was just a very interesting take where I think the only other use of like the feminine would be like the great mother or something. Oh, you were and, thinking like, about like, Paul taking a captive. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, or something along that line. And then I don't know uh, how we tie into like his prescience, obviously. And then like the voice, I was thinking like his kind of voice, you know, the mm-hmm. Bene Gesserit voice, uh, so to speak. And these kind of powers seeding through. Uh, but that is like way more of a stretch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does not really fit into where we're going for it. Um, the other thing I think you could, uh, other way you could spin this is a very like romanticized way, like written down in the text, like, you know, going with the Muad'Dib legacy and mm-hmm. legend of them just saying like, hey, like it's a Fremen way. We leave the, like, we know they're captured. We deem they're dead, even though they're technically still alive. We don't negotiate negotiate with terrorists. Mm. We don't negotiate with emperors. Yeah, that's right. But uh, I, I mean, he's not really telling that to his people, though, is he? No, he's, he's not. He's just saying that she is alive, and really just confirming that for reasons only Paul would know. Well, you right? assume it's his people. It's just as Imudib stood before them. Well, you know, I'm saying whoever he's in front of, all he's saying is that she's alive. She is alive, and I know because I'm prescient, and she's prescient because I'm prescient. Which is just like it's, it's, it has nothing to do with like the emperor or anything, right? right? right. It's so it's so self contained and interesting. Uh, oh, but but I actually the part I just kind of clinged onto of like, is he kind of saying too that like her powers are only because of him in a way? Oh, I don't think so. Just yea, unto the veil of the unknowable does she see because of me? Oh. Or like, oh, because you know, with that Fremen, uh, with the water of life, when they have that like prescient like thought together, yeah. Um, why Paul always sort of like goes separate, maybe they are a little closer linked than we're giving them credit for. I'm like, maybe does she like piggyback into that spot you Jessica can't see, but because uh, Aaliyah is so like she has that pre born problem, mm-hmm. like she maybe can or do something beyond because she's also 
exceptional Atreides, like mm-hmm. wherever that fits into all this. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, we got one more chapter, I guess, to really suss it out. That's true. We'll see if Frank tells us. Uh, with that, let's move on. Let's right. dive into this because uh, this is another one of the chapters I've been looking forward to for a long, long time. All right. All right. Uh, and we'll get to that point when it comes up in it. But it's going to start in a great setting with the Baron. And he is in a very old glossary word. <laughs> one of the first. The, the Salam leak. leak. And what is that, Mike? Oh, God. It's like the court. Uh, courtroom in front of the imperial chamber is that what it is uh yeah go ahead and look it up i actually oh, didn't it's been pull a while. it out yeah uh because the mish or the mushtamal is the garden annex but i believe this is the um like the antechamber that they come into and when we found the actual route for it it was like a side room uh off to it that i think the women were in or like the concubines oh no that's i think that's what you guess it's just the imperial audience chamber no, no, but the uh, the actual Arabic word oh, was that because oh, gotcha. it was part of like a palace. But yeah, in this one, it's just the imperial audience right, chamber, right. which is why the Baron is there, mm-hmm. uh, and he's just chilling. And you know what it is, Mike? It's in an oval. My is... oval conspiracy is oh. back. It's, I've been waiting so long. <laughs> it was Jessica's face, that one door, and now the salam leak. <laughs> Guys, Helen Mahayim's here. Just <laughs> saying. She is, yes. There are also a couple other people here. We have the nukers, the pages, the guards, and a troop of Sadokar. Ooh. Can uh, you actually want to flip that glossary one more time? Look up the nukers for me as well. Because that's nukers. like part of the entourage. Yeah, these are the people that are just hanging on. And I think they are the like offshoot cousins who are just like, they got the job because they're family, but they're not really going anywhere. Uh Oh, did we have this as a word? We did not. I was waiting for it. Did I get, okay. am I close on definition? Yeah. Officers of the Imperial bodyguard who are related to the emperor by blood, traditional rank for sons of royal concubines. Yeah. See, and th- know how I know we didn't come up in the game, Mike, because <laughs> I would have remembered. I would have been so happy. <laughs> I think it was a BTD that we did it. Um, it, yeah, it might could have come up in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking like, well, yeah, when we did one of the Imperial thing or the Sadokar yeah, uh, yeah. background possibly. Um, I don't know though, but interesting. So, you know, these people are useless. <laughs> they, they got their dad, you know, my dad got me this job because yeah, I'm yeah. part of the family. Like, uh, and this room is decorated with captured battle flags, which Ooh. that's gotta be a Sadokar thing of like, and that means there's some interior decorator Sadokar. It's like, <laughs> this is where this flag goes and the color's gotta be just right. It'd be really bad if the room only had like a couple flags. Ooh. <laughs> this is all of them. It's just a single little pennant. I'm just thinking of like, uh, I'm, I I hope they're like tattered a little bit, maybe all in like press oh. frames, you know, like they got to have a little effect to it. They can't be pristine. Uh, but at this, the emperor is announced and he enters in true royal fashion because he just ignores everybody until his chair is brought in. <laughs> and that is like him intentionally choosing not to have the chair brought in first. Because he walks in and just, like, looks around, admires the room, probably checking out some battle flags. Like, I remember that one. I remember that one. Ah, that's Whose blood is this? I'm just scratching his oh, chin. He's looking up, and he's seen the Nergal flag, and he's like, I remember the tumble down there. And uh, at this, the, the Baron is standing there, and he's just like, I know, he's not looking at me. But the Baron also can't help but look at the, like, Shaddam. Right. Shaddam is so regal and perfect. Mm-hmm. He's gone in. This. He's everything the Baron aspires to. He really is in a lot of ways. Or do you think his position is i think in both i think he wants to have that physical body too Mm. of like he would like he just never can because he's such a glutton and he's so like Mm. um will 
um, cave to any whim he gets, and usually it's food, uh, which is even going to come up in this chapter a little bit. Uh, but this is one of the first times we see Shaddam in person, isn't it? Yeah. We've, been, we've only seen a portrait of him in a side thing by Irulan <laughs> in her book. Like, very, very removed. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and the emperor stood poised, waiting. A slim, elegant figure in a gray Sadokar uniform with silver and gold trim. His thin face and cold eyes reminded the baron of the Duke Leto long dead. There was that same look of the predatory bird. Yeah, he's just got red hair instead of black hair. That's all. But I, I love that he's wearing the same uniform that the Sardaukar are. He, yeah, and that's like, uh, I think intentionally done too, just to emphasize, uh, one, this character doesn't have much definition through the book because, mm-hmm. you know, English is a few times. So I think this just wants to tell you this is purely what he's aligned with, right? Right. He could show up in any outfit he wants. He could have raised any flag he wants. He's choosing to show up in the Sardaukar outfit because that's what we're going to identify him as. And so uh, that's also what the encyclopedia is transposed to say, like, oh. his burning passion is been like the Sadokar. Like, mm. he loves being involved in the military. He even kind of lets the Imperium fall to the wayside because he's so involved with Sadokar. Mm-hmm. And uh, they kind of even tinge that to the point of, like, that's why he's caught up in this plan with the Baron to some extent. Because he hasn't been paying attention to the intrigue in the Imperium. He's been caught up with his Sadokar doing war things. Uh, but now we get our uh, Hago Quartz throne comes in. Yeah, they had to bring it in. You gotta haul this in. I assume this is a, a hefty suspenser. And it's uh, one solid piece. And as I told you before, it's sort of like uh, a marble. A cat's eye marble is what I've always imagined. It's blue-green translucent with streaks of yellow fire. Ooh. Yeah, which I hope that probably has like that oil shimmer to it. Like oh. a really like sharp color. Uh, so Shaddam, he sits down and like still ignoring people, right? Gaius Helma Hayam takes her place behind the throne exactly where the Bene Gesserit want to be. Mm-hmm. One hand on the throne, which I thought was very symbolic Ooh. of like the Bene Gesserit as a whole. Like this is this is the Imperium. It's mm-hmm. showing you finally. Uh, the Baron trembles at the sight of her. He knows this must be an important meeting, which is like, no shit. <laughs> like, look where we are. Look what's happening right now. Yeah. This is a very important meeting, Baron. But he's going to be our ignorant character for the chapter. He sort of like has no idea. This is yeah. This is very uh, maybe out of character for Baron because with, with all of our earlier chapters with Vlad, he always had these. I mean, he was always sort of uh, proud of himself a mm-hmm. little too much, but he always had the, these insightful moments. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, I felt like he always uh, he was always holding on to one strand of at least the conversation mm-hmm. and had like uh, some skin in the game of like, I need to get this out of what's happening. It's like, he's the smartest Harkonnen, but like he's really the dumbest person in the room elsewhere. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, Cause like ooh. him and fate, it's like, wow, Baron's got the card, but like him and Thufir, it's like, Oh, what an idiot. Yeah. Thufir is slapping him around. Yeah. And he right. wasn't even being a mentor. It was just, this is common <laughs> sense. Dude. Even being a what mentor. are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Stuvier just retired at this point. Yeah. It's like he's like, ah, I can phone it in. Just ridiculous. I just have to be a guy here on this planet. That's a good take. Um, but 
Yeah, so the Baron, we're going to be like using his eyes, I guess, to really define a lot of this mm-hmm. as we go, because he's not going to know uh, what's going on. And the Emperor is going to be like, he's going to be the one holding all the cards this time, right? Because yeah. right now, he's coming in with this really cool thought of he thinks the Baron was working with Leto. Yeah. And that's like, I love that reveal, because it's like, it does come out of left field of like, oh, no one really entertained that idea yet. Like, most of the time, Frank really telegrams in, like, where we're going. I'm just like, Yui, Yui, Yui. <laughs> this one I thought was kind of blindsided and explains a lot of, like, this past year. What the Sadokar have been doing, how they're a little separate from the Harkonnens. Right, like, right. It, it's super interesting. But so the Baron, he's uh, desperately trying to look for clues in this room to figure out what's going on. He's no Bene Gesserit, though. Uh, and we do see the, uh, this kind of entourage that's around. We got two guild agents, uh, we both fat, one tall, one tall and one short, <laughs> with bland gray eyes. And you, you get to feel these are just the plainest people they can be. Right. Because, like, shouldn't their eyes be blue? Well, they are. Oh. And then, because that contact's going to fall out later on. Yeah. Uh, But they always, uh, this is going to illuminate that caste system that the smugglers feel. And should Mm. highlight for you. Because, again, like, the blue eyes to us in this room is a bad thing. It means, you you know, you're you're less than. Right, right, right. You're not really part of this upper class. Uh, It's a fault. Uh, and then we see (gasps) Irulan. Finally! The Princess Irulan. She doesn't have a single line in this, though, does she? Uh, she wrote her down. Uh, she's taking notes. <laughs> no, of course not, Mike. She was tall, blonde, face of chiseled beauty, green eyes that look past and through him. Ah, I'm getting Lady Jessica vibes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you should totally get from that of like, she's part of that breeding line. That's mm. why those eyes are there. Those same eyes Jessica has. There's something to them. Same eyes Paul used to have. Oh. They're all blue now. Uh now, Shaddam, he addresses the Baron finally, and I love, this is like one of those frank things where he'll just tell you what it says, and it's, yeah. like, it's in a tone that dismisses him at the same time it addresses him, Ooh. and I'm like, you know what, I'll take it that time, I'm like, yeah. I, I like that, I'm just good. like, ah, oh, fuck this Baron, and it gives you the emperor, he knows what he's doing, he's been around the block a few times, he's like, he is a good emperor, just in that, not morally, but I think he's good at the job, uh, <laughs> I think he can do it. Uh, the Baron bows low and advanced to the required position 10 paces from the dais. And he says, I came at your summons, ma- uh, Majesty. Summons! <laughs> the old witch cackled. She's being catty. Yeah, oh yeah. It's the guy's telling behind him, it's the hype man. She's just <laughs> here to help out the Emperor, and I love it. You get the feeling like, you know how Aaliyah is going to enjoy her time in here? Yeah, yeah. I think Guy's Helen likes this first bit of like, <laughs> oh, you just want me to fuck with this guy? All right, I will just laugh at him every time I need to prod him. Because <laughs> uh, that, that cuts the Baron, like, right to the core. I'm just mm. like, oh... And the emperor is like, now, nah, Reverend Mother. <laughs> but he smiles at the Baron's discomfiture. And uh, we go to the first of our issues the emperor has set up. Because he's got a, an outline conversation we're going right. to walk through, there's, right? There's a, there's a itinerary. We didn't we got what we got to talk about. All in Gaius Helen's note, our handwriting. Right. Uh, she definitely crafted this entire conversation. Uh, first of all. Thu for Howitt. Count yeah. Fenry informs me. <laughs> right. <I'm> like, <laughs> you know, a year ago. Yeah. Fenring, or no, two. Two years. Three, if we do the whole war, depending on Jesus. how you count that birthday. So it's been a fucking while that it's been on his Ooh. mind. And oh, I love that that we know Fenring is here too. 
Mm-hmm. He's somewhere in the ship right now. Is Lord, he? Lord, yeah, because we send for him. Oh, that's right. I, I mean, so about that. maybe he's a, and we pulled everyone in. So I, I would assume he's somewhere on this campus Probably. at the very least. And like, Lord knows what he's doing that's more important than being here. That I that I think is kind of cool. Uh, so. Like you said, uh, Shaddam wants to know about Thufir first. And the Baron's like, oh, oh. First he looks at the guild agents. Side-eyed <laughs> glance there. Then goes back to the Emperor and says, I sent him on to infiltrate a Fremen camp five days ago. Mm-hmm. What do you think that glance was about, Mike? To me, that's like, uh, you better not call me out right here. Because you know Thufir didn't go to a Fremen camp right, five days right. ago. You know that. Do you think he knows where Thufir is? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, okay. And I think he knows they know where Thufir oh. is. Because the guild knows where everyone is on this right, planet. Right, right, And it's just sort of like, a, are you going to call me out right now? Because uh, uh, I that that uh went right by me. I, I and I'm reading into I'm reading between the lines, right? A hundred percent. But I think that's what's buried there that, with that look. I mean, that would make sense. Other, yeah, otherwise, why would he? Yeah, but and I don't you know think the guild would care and be like, oh, that guy's not telling the truth. Like, that doesn't matter. We got bigger fish to fry right now. Oh, I just, I, I was just going to think they're in, uh, they got deals with everybody. Uh, yeah, so I've, for the same reason, they're going to be like, well, we're, yeah, we're not saying anything, but it's just because, uh, you know, we're back, cha- you know, everybody's here dealing with us. So we want your spice because there's still the off chance the Baron comes out on top. That's true. You think he's still uh, rooting for himself? The Baron? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he's like, if anyone's been high on the hog mic, it's the Baron. <laughs> that's hogwash, Derek. Oh, no, that's what the guy's hell is doing to him right now. <laughs> She's washing away all that grandeur that he's built up for himself. Uh, but no, I think that's in there. I think he, he saw that path, and like once you see it, hey, you can't ever look away. Right. It's too shiny. It's too that's glorious. And maybe me, for that one instance, he had that thought. Definitely wants his family on it. But I just think the guild is playing, you know, they're betting on red and black. That's just how the guild works. Mm-hmm. So um, it's uh, the emperor just kind of responds, incredible. <laughs> just like, and then guys, Helen taps him on the shoulder and there's some whispering. So it's like, yeah, that lie is seen through. Um, <laughs> Shaddam asks the Baron, like, oh, well, why aren't you worried if it's been five days? It's like, oh, I'm worried. The guy is hella. And like, it's a knee slapper, you know? Like, I think she's like doubling over in laughter. I'm just like, it's too much. You're killing well, me. I You're mean, killing me. He, he can't have his like degrees of separation on this. He is the one that like told like Thufir to do things. It's like, it's too direct. Yeah. Yeah. No, she can tell when he's lying. To be fair. He always put himself too close. Even the one thing we did separate ourselves by degrees, he was determined to have someone tell him what happened. We really went out of our fucking way. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, but we revealed this residual poison. Thufir, he's going to be dead within hours. But that's why I'm so worried. Poor me. And so Shaddam's like, we're going to let this one stand because I think we've already... Totally seen through this. Oh, we, yeah. We know this is a lie. Uh, maybe that's what uh, Fen rings out. Go find Thufir Hawat real quick. <laughs> bring, bring him here. Um, so we ask, where are Raban and Fade? And, uh, hey, I sent them out for a perimeter check just in case the Fremen attack under the cover of sand. 
and you read that, and I'm like, that's a good idea. <laughs> like, that's very smart. It is a good idea. Did he really do that, though? Did he really send them out? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Do you think Because if he did, then that storm just killed them. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I was just thinking, do you think it was subterfuge? In the same way Hawat was. That's not what you were just cutting to, though. No, no, no. Right, right. okay. I'm just saying, though, that, like, do you think, I mean, I guess, why would he lie? With guys hell behind them. Right, or maybe he After did lie do a quick perimeter and then do this. What would this be? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. I like, I like, but I, I do like the idea that he's got bigger plans that are in motion right now. I, I, I feel like we're trying to inflate a deflated balloon of like, yeah. we already said he's the stupid one for it. Like, no, there's a chance. Maybe he's plotting <laughs> maybe. something. We got one chapter left there and we you can, still, can do it. We can still get high on this hog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're like applying for that piter position. <laughs> <laughs> Need a that? No, uh, so I, I do think they're out on the perimeter check. Uh, I don't know how we're going to resolve this matter, though. Uh, but just smart move on the Baron. We got to give credit when credit is due, Mike, because mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. dead on. That's exactly what's going to happen. Shaddam dismisses this. I'm like, you're such an idiot. I'm like, I got five legions of Sadakar. Who would dare step foot in near this, like, this tent that I've set up, this hutment? Oh, well. you're like flipping pages back and i'm like i'm pretty sure um how much of his time though we've wasted chome's time we've wasted you know he's had to cancel meetings and court functions to be here i i feel like that's okay though this is a pretty big thing you would think yeah you would think it's the spice yeah yeah uh, I thought this was a little... Yeah, like you uh, dro- me? I just don't think he realizes how uh, important it is. He knows how valuable it is, but he doesn't realize how important it is. And that could play up to that image they have of him dismissive of the intrigue in the Empire, mm-hmm. right? He just wants to get back to what he was doing. This is like, what are we even doing here, guys? You didn't read the report, Emperor. <laughs> um, Do the Bene Gesserit or like the Reverend Mothers know how important the spice is? Sir, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it would be the Bene Gesserit and the Guild would have... The, well, the guild knows what Paul can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't I don't think the Bene Gesserit necessarily do because they don't they don't deal with prescience because they never want to see the future. Right. They don't want they want the blank canvas uh, of time to be there. Uh, and then Chome would have like this economic interest because Raban has been slacking on the um, the quotas as, as of recent, mm-hmm. which is like totally different from the two, but even more uh, enforceable. They probably have way more sway to bring down some like force, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that would be the standing status of who's aware of what's going on on the planet. Okay. Does that leave anyone out? And do you think? Well, no. I mean, I just uh, I was just wondering if that would have influenced the Benny Gesserit's choices or like how they like moved forward with things. Like if they knew that uh, uh, Paul was out there and that there was a chance to like. Uh, that spice was in danger. Do you think they would act differently? Oh, so yeah, I don't think they have either of those bits of information until it's well too late. Gotcha. Like until this, like this is the moment the emperor finds out. I think this is when Gaius Helen finds out because mm-hmm. I don't think, uh, Jessica, there's always the chance she got a message out to the Bene Gesserit. I don't think she would have. Well, why, why don't you think she would have, uh, would she have done it in that three year period? That's what or, I'm, that's what I'm, that's where I'm putting that chance down of like I do think she still puts the Bene Gesserit first at this point. I 
I don't actually. I think she would have within the last three years, but I think now she is solely focused on the rest of House Atreides. But that's what I'm focusing on. Is that like that three year period though? Mm-hmm. Like before Paul took on that mantle and put the ring back on, do you think in there she could have? Maybe. Or do you, I guess what I'm saying, do you think in there she would have? Because certainly she could have. The only way she would have gotten the message out is through but do the you, smugglers, I think. No, no, but so yeah, regardless of method, do you think her character would though? Or do you think even in that three-year period, she maybe reconsidered the Pernay Jethro It's hard, it's hard to tell because I think once she became a Reverend Mother, everything changed because yeah. her perspective yeah, just yeah, went definitely. super okay. kaleidoscopic. I like, that's a good point to be like, and her um, her bias towards the Fremen a little exactly. bit. Right? Because it's all Fremen memories. Those right. aren't, that wasn't the BG like archive. Mm-hmm. That was a Fremen archive going back. Uh, so that's an interesting point. Maybe that like really skewed her decision-making to like, at least hold. Mm-hmm. And be like, I'll wait. Uh, and maybe silence is the best option for now. But let's dive back into this. All right. Uh, the Baron is starting to wonder if the Emperor intends to kill him. And like, yeah, that's a good thought to maybe pass through your head. And uh, he's like, man, not with all these houses watching. I'm just like, okay, Baron. <laughs> that, I feel, is the roll of the dice. But uh, he's also counting on that uh, he has the convention and the dictum familia to protect him. The dictum familia. Yeah, do you remember that? I forgot what exactly it is. That came Just up- the idea that like, if uh, the emperor acts on one house, the rest of the land's red will unite. Um, no, that's, so that would be the convention. Okay. The dictum familia is literally just how nobles should treat each other. It's what should have saved, uh, later. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. That you wouldn't just kill me out of, you know, out of kind. There's no candor in that. Exactly. You would call me out. It would be formal, this kind of deal. Mm. You're not here to betray me in the dark like I would do. <laughs> um, but Shaddam now asks, like, okay, Baron, have you have you taken hostages from everybody? And this is going to bring us what we're alluding to with the quote in the beginning. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, God, no. If you take a hostage, they just have a funeral ceremony. Like, the minute you take that yeah, person, they just... they're literally loading them in the cart. And they're like, well, Paul's dead. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Put that gravestone down. They're like, we don't care. <laughs> just like, Your funeral's going to be magnificent. Like, yeah, waving to you in the distance. You can watch it as we pull away. <laughs> And like that, that's hardcore. I'm just like, talk yeah. about we don't deal with terrorists. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, we'll just throw a funeral. Like, that's sad, but now we're all just going to accept him right, as dead. Right, right. Even and like, maybe we'll rescue him later, but yeah, you're not going to hold that over us. Uh, and then the Baron, uh, he kind of looks around the room. Now he's going to get off on a little tangent here of like seeing just the wealth and opulence that this hut mm-hmm. represents. You know, Gurney Halleck told us it was 10, nine stories. Yeah, I think nine, it's nine, nine or ten. Nine, you know, story tent, metal tent of fan metal around a spaceship, which I do get very confused on the shape of this thing while we describe yeah, it. Yeah, I don't in the understand chapter. what it is. I don't understand what it is. If it's ten stories, but it seems like it's one open door. I just imagine like a metal circus tent. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's totally. All I imagine. With the stripes and everything, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. It's gold. Like, what do you imagine? Golden white? Golden white? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, like, metal. You were thinking red. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, like a red one. Black and yellow. Sure, sure. Oh, okay, I oh. like it. I like it. Um, <laughs> a little bumblebee that unfurls. Uh, but where was I with this? The hostages, right. Mm. So, and the Baron looking around. He sees the wealth here. And also that the the Emperor brought everybody. Brought the pages. Brought the women. Brought, you know, the girlfriends of the concubines. Like, it's a whatever. show of confidence. 
Oh, and just, I think, carelessness in a way of just like, yeah, there's something about Shaddam. Like, he's not reading the room when he shows up Mm-mm. here. Paul is up there with an entire armed force, like a rocket launcher, lasers. This guy's down here with this, like a party uh, in this little Kent. And uh, now Shaddam really turns this to the point then. He tells the Baron, of, you didn't take the right hostages. And the Baron thinks the Emperor, like, no, something is a fact there. Like, all right, he's catching on, at least. They're like, wait, wait, wait. This conversation has been very particular for a little while now. More than I'm liking. It's reminding me of talking to an old mentat, right? right, right? And then fear hits the Baron. And it almost supersedes his hunger, Mike. But the hunger wins out. (laughs) I love this thought. God damn it, Baron. I would order food, but there's no one to listen to me here. And that's the only thing that stops. Oh my god! What do you think he's hungry for? Power, like power. <laughs> Could I have some power, please? <laughs> I'm feeling a little empty. Uh, but no, this is the question we're kind of getting to. Shaddam asked, "Do you know who Moadib is?" Ooh. Yeah. What does he respond back? One of the Uma, surely. Yeah, just some Uma fanatic, right? And Shaddam looks to guys on Mahayam, and this is again to be like, is he lying? And I think you want to know, like, yeah, does, yeah, yeah. Does, did he know before he got here who Moadib was? Or it's is like, because this is important because he still thinks it's like you were with and on this with Leto. You know, you the, protected his heir. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've been, you betrayed imagine me. Imagine that. You've kept the heir hidden in the yeah. desert while he perfected the fucking force. Like, and just like to think that. That means Shaddam believes that, like, did Leto die as a sacrifice to the plan between Paul and the right. Baron? It, it was all about the lands right, you know? But that's what I mean. Like, did, so did Leto commit suicide in, Leto, in Shaddam's I mean, eyes? I bet I bet he thinks that uh, Leto would do something like that, though. <laughs> just like that's how yeah. honorable. I've seen him in the Karina. I know what this man can do. That is just such a wild leap that, like, I, I don't even know why well, he's able to believe that. But you're right. It is far-fetched, but at the same time... Uh, Leto is a very bold man. He is very bold. So, like, I, I do think that is something and that do, he would do. do. Or do you see Shaddam, uh, Shaddam being like, that's a, that's a Thufir Hawa kind of plan. That's just crazy enough to work. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Oh, man, Thufir, he's got some cred. Uh, he's got the, the ultimate reputation. Yeah. Right? To he, be there. He definitely uh, could live up to it 30 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Maybe that's when he made the plan. <laughs> That's at least to Shaddam's eyes. Now, uh, guys, how Mahayim is going to burn right through. This is probably in the Baron's best interest to have guys tell Mahayim here for this question. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Totally ignorant. Don't know jack shit. I imagine this look at our face like, meh, nah, nah. Yeah. And then, but I do love Shaddam's next question. Anything else, Baron? And just an open-ended question with a true sayer watching. Oh. That, that's great. You got to pick your words very carefully. This is not his first rodeo. Nope. So the Baron's, he's going to try to play it safe. And he's like, look, Moadib, he's just a madman. <laughs> like, people scream his name as they leap into battle. The women throw their babies at us and hurl themselves onto our <laughs> knives to open a wedge for their men to attack us. They have no, no, no decency. The people throw their babies? 
their babies and then themselves <laughs> just to make a hole for the guys to come in to do one. Like that's even worse than the shock trooper civilians yeah. that we were talking about to like, Hey you guys, you just take down one. For, so our real soldiers can come in <laughs> who killed 10 and then take a knife wound. <laughs> I just imagine parents like even Peter wouldn't do that. It's wild. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't get it. Imagine even though that made Piter pale. And uh, the ba- scribbling down some notes. <laughs> well played. The emperor, though, he's just like, oh, as bad as that, and like you, just humoring he's him. So sarcastic. His tone of derision did not escape the baron. T- tell me, my baron, have you investigated the southern polar regions of Arrakis? Oh, now there's a good tangential cut, right? The tangent subject catches the baron off guard. Everyone knows that region's uninhabited. It's it's winds and worms down there. You know, you can't do jack. Uh, and there's not even any spice in the southern latitudes. I thought that was interesting. Is that the rumor that the spice doesn't exist there? Well, there's, uh, yeah, which because, like, they don't connect it to the worms. Right, right, right. But, like, yeah. why would they think that spice appears, like, because they know it's a spice blow. Yeah. So why would they think it only appears in this one region? If they don't look down south. Very, yeah. Isn't yeah. that just really weird? Entirely. It is very flawed science. I don't know. That's... It's not there because we've never seen it. You guys have never looked. <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to look. It's like, we got doctors. You can go anytime you want. I, I guess that's more of the bit. But yeah, yeah. It's totally the Baron, the way he phrases it, sets us up for this line of logic. But certainly the line of logic must be we can't get to the south mm-hmm. because it's so dangerous. And for some reason, weather satellites are so expensive. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> that's actually brings up a good point. Would you even be able to circumvent the uh, uh, Arrakis with like a, a thop- single thopter? Because I know they're fast, but like they also, we know for a fact now they have fuel. It's not just a clam. Yeah. Mollusk, would, but or mollusk, uh, would you be able to circumvent uh, Arrakis and actually be like, oh, let's go down the southern hemisphere and then we'll go back up? Would that you even be capable of that? Well, what do you think is stopping you? A fuel on like a single tank, or yeah, like how fast and how far can they go on a single tank? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I mean, yeah, because it's like you'd land, Mike, you just get more fuel, keep going. <laughs> Where uh, from I, the sand, right? Right? Um, I don't know. I mean, certainly you must be able to make a big, we can make craft that fly, you know, X amount of distance for super long things. So like you must be able to make a specialized, yeah, you know, like long range Mm -hmm. stopper flyer that's like high altitude, yada, yada. Um, Yeah. I I, I don't think all that seems out of balance for a stopper construction. So you, you must be able to. Why didn't anyone ever try? Well, the storms in the sand, that's gotta be the big obstruction, right? Hmm. Like, you just don't come back. Right. <laughs> just like, maybe they did. And it was like, it must just be so detrimental to your bottom line that you would never even approach it as an option. Right. And I guess, I guess he has been really skipping on cash here. He has been. We've been melting down cannons, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we leave that. And the emperor does accept that, though. So we got guys hella behind there. Whatever, that's the fact of life for the end mm-hmm. of this book. Frank is like, look, I'm almost done. Stop asking about the worms. It's not it's not important anymore. <laughs> um, the Emperor now asks, like, oh, well, spice lighters have reported greenery. 
which then confuses me even further. So Mike, they are I, going down I, there. I got, I got nothing. So, I have fucking oh nothing. Oh my god. Well, these gotta be smugglers. Smuggler light, you know, that the emperor knows about. Okay. Just as all right, all right. remember how the Duke said he was just going to bank them openly mm-hmm. and make it a big uh, thing for oh, them right, because they were being banked privately. Yeah. It's like, well, now we're going to do it in his majesty's honor. Exactly. And it was just going to give right, Shaddam right, right. more money. Either yeah. way, those smugglers are paying Shaddam. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get around that and the guild. So I think that's all that is, or at least that's the best case I can give you or like a patch over that. I don't one, know. Right? That just feels a little wonky to me. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think the reported greenery was during the desert war or is it just like a post Pardot thing? I, I certainly think it's post Pardot. Definitely. Okay. But is it like happening in this, like uh, maybe during, is it Paul's influence? that's going to like push this program. I think probably. Or something? I think probably. Yeah. And you know, these spice lighters. Well, once, uh, once the Baron had a conversation with Fenring, I think we had like all hands on deck, like, Check out what's oh, going on. Oh, interesting that maybe the the emperor gave the green light for more smuggling. Yeah. I'm just like, fucking get down there. Tell me anything you can. Which is weird because then I, I feel like I would have heard something from Gurney at some point. What do you mean? I mean, his whole group was half Sadokar. Yeah. But, like, Gurney didn't, like, he wasn't doing any uh, excavating. But he did say the Sadokar are the reason they went in the south. Oh, that's true. That's true. No, no, oh, I, th- yeah. I think you just did it. Oh. You got there. I found spice in them hills. <laughs> them bare hills. That means a worm's coming. We oh, should no. leave. <laughs> we got two days. Um, But Baron acknowledges that they did investigate long ago, uh, but we lost plenty of thopters. Too costly. Hitting on that note there. Mm. Now the emperor plays his hand in this conversation. And he snaps his fingers. And a oh. child is brought in. A small uh. child in a black robe. Gaius Helen pulls back and she makes a warding sign as it comes through. <laughs> she did not like Throws it. some salt over her shoulders. Yeah, yeah, she's not down with this at all. And she's shaken by her presence. And this is a little, it. little baby Aaliyah. It's just her presence, too. It's all, I mean, do you know what she is? I mean, not really still, to be honest. Oh, okay. Well, then but I'll... she is like a little baby reverend mother. <laughs> and that's not okay. That's, that's not, not okay. okay. We call that an abomination. Mm-hmm. With a very strong amount of prescience, I presume, as well. Um, to be, TBD. Uh, yeah. <laughs> next book. I'm just, I'm just going with it based off of uh, Paul. Sure. Because I know yeah. Paul is kind of special in that regard. But yeah. Like, it's got to be in the bloodline somewhere, too. No, no. I mean, I think you can take, pull from that quote of, yeah. like, she sees because I see. Mm-hmm. Of like, it's almost like I let her take a look at this. Like, come on. It's like, it's like you know, when your older brother shows you a movie you're not supposed to watch. Like, yeah. it's oh, the yeah, yeah. Our movie. <laughs> That's what Paul's <laughs> doing with little Leah. But Leah's older than him in a way. Uh, yeah. Which is kind of weird, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she, yeah. Uh, she's my favorite character. <laughs> she's so good. She's my favorite I, character. I knew you would love her. <laughs> She's, I'm glad she had that quote in the beginning where you got to see her name. I would have name. never imagined that I would have fall so in love with her. That you was a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This brings us to our excerpt from uh, last week where the emperor goes to speak. So Aaliyah's been brought out, right? And yeah. he's like, ah. And she cuts in. I'm just like, look at that fat man. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Look at that fat man there. He's so, so pathetic. And uh, she just rips into the Baron, which is like, good God. Every <laughs> Is this a Bene Gesserit thing now? <laughs> like, between her Maybe. and Gaius Helen? Uh, and, oh God, his own flesh without the help of suspensers. It just cuts right to because you know he feels self-conscious with how buff the Emperor is. Mm-hmm. Emperor is a pretty good-looking Sadokar. And gobsmacked, the Baron is just like, 
is she a midget? I'm just like, like, what do I make? Like, what is happening well, like, right why now? Why would you bring a kid here? <laughs> so it's like, it's got to be a midget. Yeah. I, it's been a weird day for him. Yeah. He's, imagine you've come in. You've been in like this probably pretty Spartan conditions yourself. Like mm-hmm. you you don't really spend too much expense. You maybe had your boys with you or whatnot. Right, right, and now right. you're coming into the emperor's setting, this glorious tent. You're having this weird meeting. The truth slayer is here, but all the nukers are here. And now a kid just comes out. And you're like, what is happening? <laughs> the biggest sandstorm. is just going, I'm on to you. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Meanwhile, your two closest relatives, who are your only people on your side, are gone. You brought no <laughs> guards with you. You are alone. Piter is dead. That's still the worst part of it all. It really is. Now, Shaddam introduces the sister of Moadib. And he tells them there are people in the southern reaches, and apparently, Baron, they can avoid the worms. Interesting. <laughs> now, Aaliyah, she just sits on the edge of the dais, and she's just kicking her legs. I love that. It's the best. This like, I love how uh, even though her mind is so much more mature, and she has all these insane memories, can talk about these very complex uh, She situations. can make innuendo. Yeah. She's still a kid. Still purely a child. She's still a kid. Can't help it. She and she, I think she likes it. Uh, well, I, no, I, I think so too. Do, do you think it is like, is it a biological thing of just like the body does that, Maybe. or is it a mental thing where like she also does have her own personality mm-hmm. that is developing? It just has access to all this other stuff. Part of it too is her body is still developing too. That's She's a, like, yeah. she may uh know that like. There are certain things that I can do, but, like, I can't really do the voice because I can barely... I don't have all my teeth. Yeah, like, I don't have the muscle. My palate doesn't even really work all that yeah, well. Exactly. Some things aren't even... So, like, I think there's a little bit of uh, feigning ignorance where, like, I can just sort of do oh, what I want man. until I get to uh, more maturity. Imagine if, like, you, you, you can't, like... So she, you're a trained reverend mother. You have yeah. all this like you can't do the voice because you have a lisp. <laughs> but you just can't help. Like or when she loses her baby teeth and yeah. the two front teeth, like fuck, I can't do this for fucking three weeks now. I gotta wait. <laughs> like you used to tell Hara to do whatever she wanted, and now you just you lose your power. It's crazy. Um, but Olia, yeah, she's gonna steal our hearts uh, through this whole chapter. Mm. She's amazing. Uh, Shaddam is able to get a little bit of control, though, and he's like, all right, and he tells him, uh, I sent five troop carriers to capture prisoners in the south. One carrier barely got away with three prisoners, one of which I'm counting this child here, and it was mostly women, children, and the elderly that were there, and this is CH Tabar. This is what we heard on the radio. Right, right, right. Yeah. But, like, the point is, five carriers... We barely got got away with one and only had three prisoners to show for it. Because we got there, there were attack groups that came out, and Aaliyah was leading an attack group. (laughs) She was calling the shot, Mike. (laughs) General Aaliyah. (laughs) Commander, at the very least. And she's quick to inform them, them, but like, I chose to be here. She's like, I allowed myself to be captured, and I, I did not want to face my brother and have to tell him that his son had been killed. And it's just like, that was the worst alternative. I'm just like, no, you don't want to see Paul when he's angry. I'd rather come to here and just hang out with you guys. Um, so cute. What are you going to do, kill a baby? <laughs> Looks at a guy as Helen. Huh? Do huh? it. Bring it. <laughs> she, she wants to duel her. I think the two of them in like a little ring right now would be great. Ooh. 
Um, Shaddam is able to recount how his men had to use the uh, attitudinal jets of the carrier as flamethrowers in des- and desperation. Mm-hmm. So angling them at the entrance of the sea, because uh, it was such a bar they were at, blasting in just so they could get away. And uh, is like, yeah, we would have got you all if it wasn't for the fire. We were so close. <laughs> Every one of you would have died. It's a very Scooby-Doo moment. If it wasn't for you meddling Sadakar and your flamethrowers. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just imagining Sadakar in like the Scooby-Doo gang's like Super Jack. Yeah, like Freddy's like sweater just ripping at the I, seams. I feel like in a way Freddy's just Freddy. <laughs> he was kind of already all right. Uh, but Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I assume Velma and Daphne are just in drag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they still have, like, really hairy legs and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, sugar wire legs. They didn't try. Right. They just put the clothes on. <laughs> and then stitched them back together where <laughs> they got to. Now, uh, like I said, he used these attitudinal jets, which are great. They they retreat. Imagine, Sadokar forced to retreat in confusion from women, children, and old men. Oh, he is so not happy. He's furious. Yeah, and he, again, he still blames the Baron, and the Baron uh, doesn't know it yet. We actually, uh, we brought this up uh, in conversation, just you and I, way back, um, and I'm going to butcher the name for it, but there's that mm. uh, battle in the German forest where the German barbarians, as the, Ro- the Romans would say, they ambushed the Roman legion and just completely annihilated this Roman legion that was marching through, mm-hmm. and, like, Augustus finds out and just is like, one, no idea how to handle this. He's never lost. And like this entire legion is gone because of these barbarians. And he rages for months in his castle of just like in delirium of just like, and wants all these barbarians slaughtered. That's a pretty like, good parallel. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Cause like the response and it's going to be the Baron who picks this one up. Like kill them all. And Didn't that happen with the Scots as well? I, I don't know. I just know that one particular story, because uh, it, like it's whatever that forest is, it's like the Tetuano Forest or something. I think there's like mm-hmm. a religion of knights that eventually take that name in the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. um, and that that's what I associate it through. Because obviously, for me, Mike, that connects back to Crusader Kings. Uh, of course, <laughs> the knights. The knights are the only link <laughs> to that back. story. Always got to. Now, the Baron, kill them all! Kill them all! Kill them all! Foaming at the mouth, silenced immediately. And the emperor is really mad because he believes the baron was trying to hoodwink him. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're you know where we're at, Mike. We're finally have the baron in the jaws of Thufir's plan. Thufir set this up years ago. And not unknowing, kind of unknowing. The baron really got it rolling. I think mm-hmm. Thufir capitalized on it. When the baron mentioned this to Fenring, that was it. And I bet Thufir has played all because he makes him send I that bet- thing to Raban. He probably realized, like, the Emperor might react exactly this way. Exactly, yeah. And he's, oh, that's a good point. And that's why I think he saw the Raban opportunity. It's like, you do this. Yes. Mm. Double down on this effort. Because, yeah, exactly. I think he wants to build up this image, this idea. I really want to see Thufir reunited with the Atreides. I think he's definitely going to die from the poison. <laughs> that Yeah, that's, I mean. I think ultimately, because uh, uh, the Baron's the only one that can administer the, uh, antidote more or less right uh presumably yeah so at least like i i, I wouldn't imagine although anybody guess, else know what it is yeah 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 although i guess technically lady jessica or paul are capable of also like neutralizing poison we're not lady jessica she didn't do so good on the blood work last time that's true but, uh, i'll give you paul. <laughs> shot, shot yeah. on her blood work <laughs> yeah but 
CSI, she is not. <laughs> you bring um, Cheney in for that. I'm curious to see yeah. if... No, uh, I, I think they could solve the problem. I think, I honestly think that Thufir is going to die. But I'd like to see if him and Lady Jessica can sort of like come to amends beforehand. Whoa. Just like, I've seen the fist in the Bene Gesserit gauntlet. <laughs> and it is strong. Um, I like that. I like that. We're gonna, we'll get to that. All right. Let's go with the Baron's thought for now, though. Of like, Raban, <laughs> this is your <laughs> fault. You did this to me. I'm blaming you for everything. Beautiful fade, though. Beautiful fade. It doesn't cross his mind, but you know it's there. And again, Gaius Helmaheim is going to lean in, and she whispers to Shaddam. Oh. Uh, what's going on there? Uh, presumably that the Baron is actually ignorant of everything. I think he's totally vindicated at this point. Yeah. Uh, and Aaliyah is going to fill the silence with, I think, one of her best lines. Because the child seated on the day has stopped kicking her feet and said, Mike, do you want to read this one? No, actually, I like I like your uh, I like your baby Leah voice too okay. much. Okay, I like you doing. Okay, the child sitting on the dais stopped, kicked her feet, said, "Make him afraid the more, Thadam. I couldn't enjoy this, but I find the pleather impossible to suppress." <laughs> I think this is again like the childlike sort of like glee and freedom. It's like I know I shouldn't be doing this, oh. but like I can't help it. Oh yeah, I mean. I got to say, I agree with that too. And this one might even supersede because like she knows the significance of this man. Yeah. She knows she's related. I also love how she calls Shaddam by name and not like my like emperor or anything along those lines. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But like, oh, because like, wait, wait, wait. You know what we're also not kind of considering is like how intimately she knows Leto. She has Jessica's memories. True. This is so wait, that's a question here. Does uh, Jessica have Lady or uh, not Lady, uh, Guys Helen Mahayam's memories as well? Because she only took Romalo. She blended with Mar- uh, Romalo's mind. But she opens her gene line. Is what you want to kind of get? That's to? what I'm un- so, wondering. The re- the the reason this doesn't work out is ultimately. And actually, I'm glad. So this is uh the whole reason we're here, Mike, is because in chapter one. I told I revealed you the greatest secret of the all. Bombshell, if you will. Guys Helen Mahayam is potentially the grandmother of Paul Atreides. And the reason I reveal that is because I wanted to get to this point. When Aaliyah turns to her and says, I'm in your head. When Aaliyah says that, I think Aaliyah does have Gaius Helen's memories. Now, Frank never commits to it. He's so close. But uh, I did have a thought. It's since, obviously, since chapter one. Mm. I've been thinking about doing a little bit, Mike. Okay. (laughs) And uh, the one fact that Brian Herbert... And the Dune Encyclopedia in Grion that Frank oh. didn't comment on is the Gaius Helen Mahayam bit. Oh. So to me, that seems like, wait a second. If these two people are saying it's her, I think that means at some point Frank told them it was her. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think for those two volumes to agree on something, that's the that's the only thing I think that is like that. Everything else, Brian changes and goes his own way in, and it's completely different from the encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. I can't think of one thing that then isn't in Dune that they would both agree on. Right. 
And again, I mean, Frank did give the green light on the encyclopedia. Like, sure, why not? If I don't okay, like it, I'll change it. In other episodes, you said, I don't think you read a goddamn I mean, thing. I still don't really think you did. Back and forth. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever arguments it's most convenient. Like yeah. I was going to say, whatever arguments most convenient for the day. supports what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And then you just be like, I did that deliberately. But, so that's why I think I think she is, for sure. So, in the I am glad you bring this up, too, because if you'd brought this up now instead of in episode one, I'd have been like, what the fuck? Why? Like, there's no... It doesn't say that anywhere. Why would you even assume that? Yeah, and what can you pull from that? But oh, that'd be weird. Yeah, I don't think I'd be on board board for it to be honest. With with just knowing, if she... you were telling me right now, oh, okay, you, you wouldn't even. You, you're like no, too far no of a way. stretch. Yeah. yeah, you like it though now. Yeah, I do. I like mean, it now. that glance. So we, we got grandma and chapter... grandpa here in the same room. Yeah. Oh, they oh. they fucked. But the Baron, <laughs> if you so. If you go by Brian Herbert's, and I think the encyclopedia even said she used a disguise of some mm-hmm. sort. He wouldn't know. He wouldn't know. She would, obviously, though, because he's disgusting, and she hated it. Uh, if Leah has all of her memories, and this would be really weird. Well, hold on. Let me, let me get to the bit in the encyclopedia okay. that I got to chime in on. Um, so I told you before, there's some Atreides down the line who is, figures this all out, and she goes and writes the book of, like, A Thousand Voices. Ooh. And it's all her past memories. She's taking oh, right. them one by one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she reaches out and she's really trying to figure out who is the grandmother of Paul? Who is the mother of Jessica? And it's blocked from her. That spirit form like stops herself from being seen, mm. which is deus ex machina the whole way. And But this girl tries so hard that Gaia Helen like, parts the clouds and like, fine, it's me. Shut up. Don't look for me. Closes it again and like oh. pieces out. I'm just like, you get to know for a second, but I'm not going to tell you anything. Because uh, clearly Gaia Helen not an Atreides fan. No. This no, is the day really. she's like, fuck all these people. <laughs> I want to kill this girl. Yeah. This means Jessica needs to die. This means Paul needs to be strung up. Like, she's coming here to clean up some mistakes mm-hmm. in a way. And I think that is significantly shown in how quickly. Which is so funny considering she had the perfect chance to do it before. Or, well, she had different thoughts before. That's true. He wasn't what he became to be. But now I think this is why she so quickly aligns herself with Shaddam's plan at the end. I'm just like, we are a team, you and I. Mm-hmm. 100%, her and the Emperor. But that is my little diatribe of getting us to Gaius Helen why she's here, why I told you that secret. I think it's interesting, too, because if she does have Gaius Helen like memories, mm-hmm. then she not only knows Leto very well and intimately, but also the Emperor being the Emperor's truth sayer. Um, it depends. No, uh, if it's based off of the conception thing, it would have been way back. She wouldn't have the truth sayer memories. She would have it from when Jessica was conceived. Oh, she wasn't a truth sayer then. No, no, truth sayer would have come, especially for the emperor. I think that was all like after she she would have to be a reverend mother. I think was she not a reverend mother then? No, she was a breeder. Oh, and then after you go through the breeding thing, then you become you don't make a after no, no, you no, can't the, have babies after your I, just, I mother. thought she was a truth sayer then. So no, but if the Reverend Mother has a child, it uh, comes out a little. Uh, we don't like to talk about. It. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, they probably make a point of not They've, doing that. They, you can't do it after you've gone through the spice. Sometimes agony. you get fucked up, baby Leah's. You get a little, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Is that what they call them? Like uh, she calls it an abomination. Abomination. Oh. You know what the first article in the encyclopedia is? What? Abomination. Oh! Yeah, so Are we going to talk about that at any point? Uh, well, I mean, actually, we, we did a little bit with the Fremen custom. Their custom of possession, mm-hmm. that's abomination. 
Oh. Yeah. What do you think possession is? I have no idea anymore. It's those memories. Oh. Depending on how you're looking at it. For the Fremen, they're ghosts, right? Mm-hmm. They're literally the spirits from your past. With Bene Gesserit, it's genetic memory. I have it in me. Same thing. You got to keep them at bay, though. You got to control them. And we're going to, yeah, well, the other books are going to really flesh out uh, uh, the Bene Gesserit especially. That's something that Frank is clearly has a lot to say and a lot to, like, mm-hmm. want to dive into. Uh, so we'll learn a lot about them as we go and like intimately, which is obviously what you want. You right. want to see them do these abilities yeah. and act these things out. So we will get there. All right. All right. Um, but we have this child seating. She's awesome. She's beautiful. And just watching the Baron squirm under this pressure from this other Bene Gesserit witch. Now, keep the picture of the scene in mind, Mike, because the emperor, he puts his hand on Leah's head. He's sort of like hush child. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's my point. It's like, you're not going to kill a little kid. It's like, shh, the adults are talking. <laughs> she totally plays it up. Hey, the, guys, Helen's the only one who knows what the fuck is going on in this room. And, that that yeah. also makes me think, like, the emperor's not a complete dick. <laughs> like, he's not just going to kill this yeah. kid. It's like, hey, no, little girl, it's not the time to talk now. Wow. No, that's even more affection than Leto probably would have shown. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, Mike. He might be a good dad. Maybe. Just hold the hold the car out on that one. Know. Your mom hasn't said anything yet. No, she loves her dad. Oh, yeah, she's she's daddy's girl. Uh, she really didn't get along with mom. Uh, which that would be our deep dive for the day. <gasps> Mama oh. Carino, oh. who's not in the room clearly. Yeah, look. Oh, now let's go on with the story, Mike. <laughs> so, uh, Baron quiets her down and he tells her, "Is it possible, Baron?" Could you be as simple-minded as my truth sayer suggests? Which is like, oh my god, you're definitely cleaning up what guy Samahai told you. <laughs> Do you not recognize this child as daughter of your ally, Duke Leto? Dun dun dun. And uh, God, <laughs> your ally, your too. ally. That caught me off guard when I read this. I'm like, the hell? That's such a weird conclusion, but I love the plot. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. As this-, this chapter reads so much more smoothly the second time you read it. Can't you either some. I mean, the one word that changes the entire connotation of that like yeah, conversation, exactly. right? Of like, ooh, can't pass this up and the significance of it. Uh, now, Aaliyah says that Leto was never his ally, and she uh, he has never seen her before. And she's like, I'll fill us in. Like, we both know the Baron's stupid, right? Uh, let me talk for him. I'm like, I'm your counsel now. That's hogwash. <laughs> nice. <laughs> No, the Baron is just, like, stupefied. Uh, so Aaliyah spells it out for him. She says, I am Aaliyah, daughter of Duke Leto and Lady Jessica, sister of Duke Paul Mordib, the child said. She pushed herself off the dais, dropped to the floor of the audience chamber. My brother has promised to have your head atop his battle standard, and I think he fell. <laughs> I think he's gonna do it. I think he's gonna do it. <laughs> Looking back at Shadam, right? Right? <laughs> so good. And again, Shadam's like, hush, hush. <laughs> and it's like, Alia doesn't take fucking orders from an emperor. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and uh, she looks at guys out and she's like, she knows. <laughs> That's like, again, grandmother knowing all right, the cards. Right. Are, like, fuck you. 
Guy, like, what, what, did she, what did she mean by this? Because, well, like, so again, thinking of these memories, she has guys, Helen Mahayim, up till Jessica's conception. Mm-hmm. She has Jessica's up till her, like, that water right, of life right, right. moment, right? And I think that's going to fill in all the things Gaius Helen has done and how Jessica has felt about it. The torture Ooh. she's put on her through and what she's been thinking about what she has to do to her child, her firstborn. Because we know from the first chapter that, like, she held a lot of animosity towards uh, guys held Mahayim. Yeah. For, you, you think about the Bene Gesserit kind of forced her to do something against Lado. I mean, they did. Right. Well, but it was also for the sake of House Atreides. It was at a point of no return. Right. I mean, but they, they did they'd already stack the deck against them. Though. They weren't going to help him. They weren't right. going to go out of their way to save him in any way. And she knows that personally. So she's going to turn. She's going to be getting in her head real quick. But Gaius Helm explains that she's an abomination. Her and Jessica deserve death. And as Gaius Helm reacts to Aaliyah, Shaddam is worried, like, is, uh, what about telepathy? Is that what she's doing here? TP. Yeah. And that's what I like. He even refers to it as TP. And yeah. that, like, I was like, ooh, wait. That's, I know that shorthand for telepathy. Is yeah. that what he meant? Yeah, that's what it and is in glossary, yeah, they, too. Well, oh, he's going to say, yeah, they yeah. explain it in the conversation. He even elaborates the word of, like, so does that mean there's telepathy in this universe? Possibly. Or is it just like an over... He, yeah, he doesn't seem what like... What do you uh... think? Or is it just like he's so mystified by the Bene Gesserit that he, anything's a possibility? No. Uh... He just seems so well, cursed, like... and it came to his tongue so quickly. Well, no... Maybe, but yeah. uh, just the way she's say, uh, guys, Helen Mahim is reacting. He knows that like this is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they probably have the same idea of like what telepathy is as we do. Like, we don't like. I don't really believe anyone has telepathy, but like, what I mean, if you saw it happen? Would you well, be like, oh, hold shit. up, Mike? I mean, we also you got to turn the clock back and remember where this is set in sixty five. We're coming out in. The right. CIA is still looking into telepathy. Right, right, right. M- MK Ultra isn't over yet. I don't. Th- I don't think he reacts in a way that's calm. He just like, oh no, I just mean to paint like that. This would be in the zeitgeist, right? Right. Like it would be thoroughly there of like a possibility. Like I think I don't think Frank would have ruled it out of like a reality. Totally fair. Yeah. But uh oh, well, you you know it's interesting. Mm-hmm. We have uh, a certain gurney to thank for we the do. term for the whole thing. For the whole thing. Yeah, the everything. Whole game. Edmund Gurney, Edmund you mysterious gurney. bastard. Ooh. Uh now then we get to the best part of here of uh where Aaliyah is gonna rip into her. And uh, this old woman, so guy's hell. And you don't understand majesty, not, not telepathy. She's in my mind. She's like the ones before me, the ones who gave me their memories. She stands in my mind. She cannot be there, but she is. Ooh. Like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, Mike. Because, like, what is that? Hmm. Is she able to... I mean, maybe it's not maybe not quite telepathy, but is she able to expand her mind? I'm gonna lean towards like some sort of I don't need to touch you, but this moat form connection, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Because um, she was conscious as a moat form before she was even born, mm-hmm. so maybe maybe she is capable of doing that, something like that. And it's it, like it's not telepathy, but it's like I can do things. Uh, yeah, it's super close. Yeah, it's like and it's, let's let's. Check out those other years that uh, Lady Jessica and I missed. Right, right. And it is going to specify that um, she can only do it to someone like her, 
right? It's like you have to have gone through the agony, which is what mm-hmm. River Mother has gone through. That's why I'm kind of in your mind here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like uh, maybe like they're both open doors in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Like I'm just gonna walk on in, do, do, stand do, here do, for do. a bit. But I don't think Gaius Helen knew you could do that. No, I don't think she did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, it's probably not common practice for Reverend Mothers to do that kind of thing. It's probably rude. Yeah, <laughs> it was probably something you have to like physically or not physically, but like actively do. Well, uh, yeah. Well, hmm. Are Are you thinking? I I'm still thinking it's like out of the realm of possibility for Gaius Helen to do. Do you think it's just something that she wouldn't do, but she is aware of? Because she also seems so like flabbergasted at it. Maybe, maybe she can't do it, or maybe that's like the same reason she's a truth sayer. She can like keep. She's capable of doing that. Yeah, sure. Uh, see, either things out there. But another kind of interesting point is that as she mentions like other memories in her mind, mm-hmm. that doesn't perk the emperor's interest at all. Yeah, no follow up to that. It's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the really closely guarded secret. Uh, But okay. Okay. Uh, She said too much, though. And she just kind of reiterates that uh, Aaliyah must be destroyed. It's like, yeah, you just told him about past lives. Yeah. Like, (laughs) no Bene Gesserit follows the rules. I was going to say, this is her chance. (laughs) She is like the head. This is mother superior of the Bene Gesserit. Fucking breaking, slipping, slipping up, uh, though, extenuating circumstances. Yeah, this but is like their biggest secret. Yeah, but this is, you, this isn't the Kwisatz Haderach, Mike. This is the bug from the Kwisatz Haderach program. <laughs> Once in a, not even a generation, millions of generations. Mm-hmm. It's taken so long to get here. Um, but Aaliyah just says like, um, you babble, old woman. You don't know how it was, yet you rattle on like a pure blind fool. And Aaliyah closes her eyes. She takes a deep breath, and she holds it. And the old reverend Ooh. mother staggers, groans. She's wobbling. Aaliyah opens her eyes, and she goes, That's it. That's how it was. A cosmic accident, and you played your part in it. I, I'm pretty sure she just showed her her memories in mind of what happened. It's I like, think, again, look what you did. You know, we've heard this. This is our third time having this recounted. We were present for the first time, the moat form thing. Mm-hmm. She recounted it to Hara. She almost made a Fremen cry. Hara was batting her eyes. She didn't tear up, but she was oh. so close. And now we're, we're breaking a Reverend Mother with it. Like, whatever she went through is that tragic. My God. And again, Shaddam sits in his chair. He has no idea what's happening around him right now. I'm just like, his truth slayer's doubling over. His little girl is babbling on. And uh, he has no idea what's going on. And the most he can reach for is just sort of like, are you projecting your thoughts? I'm just like, <laughs> if people remember, I brought up telepathy earlier. I'm smart. And uh, she says, unless I'm born as you, I cannot think as you. Like, yeah, so that's that Reverend Mother bit. Where Maybe sp- their brainwaves are like uh, in sync. Yeah, yeah, it's something uh, we call it the spice agony. It's like what the Reverend Mother goes through. Oh, uh, that's that process that makes you into a Reverend Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm sorry, that's what like what Jessica went through. Uh, and their ritual is similar to that. Eventually, they are going to start using spice. Uh, the Benedictine pick it mm-hmm. up. Um, so. I think that is just sort of uh, interesting for us. So something changes in that, whatever that chemistry is. And all Reverend Mothers and all the Fremen Reverend Mothers are like that. And then Aaliyah, obviously, just pre-born, counts as Reverend Mother right. for all intensive purposes. Now, 
Gaius Helma Himes just saying kill her while uh, she's clutching the throne for support, which is, again, very symbolic. Like, oh. I need your help. I can't do this. Not something the Benny Gesserit usually do. No, I don't think so. Grasping for something that's not firmly in their hands. Uh, Shazam, though, is kind of intrigued, and she asks if Aaliyah can communicate with Paul. Ask him to surrender for your life. Smiling innocently, she just says, no. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> Which is like, that kind of means, like, I could. <laughs> I, no. It's like that's all right. Plus, like he already knows I'm here, and like, again, he's gonna come. He's gonna come. It's like, and again, I don't want to talk to Paul. I'm gonna have to tell him that the little baby's dead, and I'm not doing that. So they took three prisoners. Three prisoners. So we know that Leto's dead. Yes. Obviously, Jessica. She already went north. She already went north. She came before Cheney did. Remember? So it was Cheney a prisoner then? She Cheney came after. God Before, because remember, she, Jessica came up on a worm and right. was like, why can't I use the thopter, goddammit? Paul tickles into a coma. Chaney comes up on a thopter. Okay. Now they're Who up there. Who was there? Hara, Aaliyah, oh. and Lado. And then the old people, so the women, Hara. and children. I really hope that Hara's alive. Uh, okay. And did, you, did you say that she's in the next book? I'm trying to think back now. Uh, I mean, you're not going to be able to pry it out of me, but uh, <laughs> I probably alluded to whatever her fate is, totally. I would have, uh, I think that would have escaped me. I uh, She's alive. She hasn't married Stilgar yet. Uh, there's been time for that. There's been 30 days. That was Stilgar, what, that Stilgar's was been up clean, north the entire clean, time. Clean your rugs was before, oh, okay, okay. Mistra could have married her. I don't you don't know how that works. Oh, I guess. It, no, I think we went culture pretty succinctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you need them to be there. Um, yeah, I think uh, we can count Hara. I don't think uh, we're not going to ever find out who the three are, but that is a good point of uh, who are the other two? Where are they? I hope it's Hara. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know what? Assuming the other wife is down there, let's pick up Tharthar. And, uh, <laughs> or no, Tharthar was in the north. I hope it's Misra, and she's safe now. And we got all Stilgar's wives safely in the north. That's what we're going for. Uh, but that's a great point there. Um, which, oh, how could oh, they? Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's not. Uh, never mind. Because they didn't get wiped out. They literally forced the Sardaukar back. So oh, I am true. just curious who they took. That's true. They did win, technically. Yeah. So maybe, oh. maybe Hara is down there just like, hell yeah. No, <laughs> no, because I think she'd be riding up a worm like, where's my Leah? Oh, I don't think she stopped. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. she stopped. Oh, <laughs> renegade yeah. Hara. Yeah, I'm going to get my baby back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Just call it where she can do everything on her own. I'm mm. pretty sure she's qualified to be a naive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. I really, I really, uh, really took a liking to Hara. Mm-hmm. Now the Baron, he kind of comes up beside Aaliyah and he tries to talk. And Shaddam is like, "I am going to kill you if you speak. If you try to interrupt one more time, do it. Do it right now." So the Baron's going to remain quiet for a while. But like he, he kept letting Aaliyah do it. Like I'm not gonna kill yeah. a kid. That's crazy. Exactly. That's what I'm like he's got a soft spot. But really? a child, like Baron, I swear to God. No, you you found a really human spot in Shaddam yeah. and I'm I'm digging. I'm really glad we're keying in on this. Because again, Shaddam focuses on Aaliyah. And I think he's in love with this little girl right yeah. now. Yeah. And uh all right, he's like, 
can you uh she read his mind about what he'll do if she if, you know yeah. if she disobeys he, like, he's really into the tv thing <laughs> really this is like maybe maybe he killed edmund gurney <laughs> but she's like guy i can't read minds how many times do i have to tell you uh and shaddam tells her like look i have but to rally my forces and victory is mine and she's like did you ask those guildsmen over there if that's the case <laughs> Ooh, ooh, my brother comes now Aaliyah said even an emperor may tremble before Moadib, for he has the strength and the righteousness of heaven smiled upon him oh damn <laughs> i read that in a book once <laughs> Uh, love it. So, Paul's on his way, mm-hmm. which is like she can sense where Paul is. She's gonna be like, "How do you know that, Aaliyah? Mm-hmm. What was she doing in those moments? Maybe we'll find out next chapter. Oh. I think we will, Mike." And uh, she's just setting the stage, and this is great. This is so fucking great because at this point, the parents is like, "Ah, oh, he's at wit's ends." So he's even going to make a grand declaration. He stands up and uh, he points his hand out, right, Mike? And at this moment, we flash over. Gurney Halleck in a cave. He looks at Paul. They make eye contact. Paul nudges. Gurney Gur- hits that Gurney nods down. and boom. <laughs> boom goes the dynamite. And this whole fucking place starts shaking and rattling. And I stop to have an idea of what this looks like. Because at one point, the ship is directly behind us because sand is just going to fall from the top. So, like, I was imagining levels within this place, but it's just, like, ten stories open to the sky? No. Yeah, how do you... I don't know, Mike. It's also, like, a thousand meters across, yet only 40 meters of, like, area are going to be broken open in a second. So our, our numbers are all over the place, but... Imagine this big metal hut, however you will. The entire place shakes. Cascade of sand falls behind the throne. Uh, a wide area shield now goes up, which is like, didn't they all just go down, as Paul told us? Right, right, right. But, okay, shield goes up. And it is about to get knocked out in a second. Right. What's um, up? Um... I don't think it, no, it wasn't knocked out or anything. It, it, it yeah. actually followed me here, Mike. Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying you you made it sound like it was weird that like the shield's going up. It doesn't sound weird at all. Big explosion, boom! Shield's on. What's going on? Yeah, it's gonna go out. But they don't okay, know that. okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh oh, you know what? You I, just made it sound like like that doesn't make sense at all. Like that makes total sense to well, me. Well, wait, wait, wasn't it in the when they were looking down? Don't they see that they see the car go in and then the shield goes up? And then the storm comes, and then they detonate. That's right. Not a lot of time passed. Um, I guess they didn't need the They're, prisoner because they already took Aaliyah. They're already having this conversation. What I'm realizing right now is the prisoner never... They never... Wait, okay. The prisoner met with Fenring. That's what he's doing. Oh, I bet you're Ooh. right, and actually. And then Fenring, he, know, he already, you know, he's half the emperor's mind. Mm-hmm. Reacts, boom, boom, boom. Push issues out. Come okay. Out. I like that. We, I like that. Frank, we took care of this one for you. Don't don't, don't, don't even get up, bud. I deliberately did this. I know it. I know it. Uh, love it. It's like we're on his side. We've been <laughs> fully indoctrinated. Oh, no. um, uh, let's get back to the ship. We can't agree on that. All right. Uh, so, shields up. And um, it's going to start going down really soon. And it's basically the sand static field that knocks the shield out. Mm-hmm. Even though I really wanted it to be the EMP from the nuke. <laughs> uh, would but make sense. Would I? I don't know if you caught this. Uh, they see this like spark and like ball lightning comes into the yeah. place. I just recently learned what ball lightning was. Uh, do you know what ball lightning is? Yeah. 
this like phenomenon. I only caught this because of three body problem where uh, they mentioned it in that book so offhand that it's like, wait, is this a thing that I should know about? Because they use it as a weapon. Mm. But it is just a phenomenon that we don't know why it happens still in the skies. I don't think, I, I mean, I, obviously I didn't tell you because I you would have brought this up. Mm. Uh, my dad had a really close encounter with ball lightning. when he was Get out! When he was flying P3s. Uh-huh. Uh, they were in a storm and sort of this big uh, ball of static just like electricity was sort of just in the plane with them. Whoa. Uh, my dad is an electrician. So, so like, stay the fuck away from that. Yeah. Um, and so like everyone did and like, it sort of made its way over towards this outlet and the fucking thing blew. Oh my God. That is so, it's such a wild phenomenon. Yeah. And they move around in yeah. the air. Like for me, it just like explains so many UFO sightings of just like, Oh, that's all it is. I'm just ball lightning. That makes mm. total sense. Because we don't know what this is. It's just, yeah, no, it's something fantastical. It's It sounds amazing. And so they see this in this room. This big, I mean, thank God this room's so big. Of like, this little orb just starts coming down until it hits something on the floor. We don't really see it dissipate, but it must have somewhere. And yeah. that's, that's how much energy is in this shield. It makes this happen. So this ball lightning clashes down. Shadam gets a report of what's going on. He's holding like his hand up to his ear, right? And this little like, what's happening? Fenring on the other side saying, I got a report. I got Otto here and he's telling me all this shit. There's um, the trainees line. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, <God. laughs> oh. It's okay. Hasmir, Hasmir, Hasmir. Um, and then I love though, he turns to like, Apologies, Baron. <laughs> it appears they are attacking under the cover of sand. I shot on you earlier about that one. And to me, I'm just like, the follow up should be. And my nephews? <laughs> yeah, right? We're on the perimeter. Bonham, but yeah, that's exactly where we just told they were. Now, Mike, do you think? Do you think we're bonds out there and a, a certain worm crests over a wall? Gurney Halleck atop? Gurney doesn't know how to ride a worm. Gurney knows how to. Anyone can ride a worm. He can't call it. Any, Mike, we put Reverend Mothers on a goddamn palaquin. A wounded man can ride a worm. <laughs> You can dodge Gurney, a wrench, you can ride a worm. Gurney Alec can ride a all right, worm. All right. Duncan Idaho rode a worm. Did he? Yeah. Again. I think he was taking Thopters. I mean, we saw him. He was taking, not with Stilgar, but when you ride with Stilgar and you're part of their troop, I think they would have top brought him on a worm. I don't know. I, I think he would have seen the things you weren't supposed to see because, like. I think you're making an assumption of that. Well, okay, but... They did let him into a sketch, though. That was going to be my next point. Yeah, yeah, to be like, how do you get there? And then, like, not end up being like, hey, what's that big worm-shaped uh, table for? <laughs> you know that, that palaquin? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it clearly attaches to a worm. <laughs> that worm skin rug. <laughs> Gotta do something with those husks. The pictures? Yeah. There would have been a picture of, like, the weavings and stuff. Mm -hmm. Men on the back of a worm. I don't know, somewhere. But he, maybe he didn't, because, like, he didn't tell them, clearly. Because Paul had to learn about it. Duncan would have said something, I feel. It might have been the most important thing. Yeah. Ever. Like, you wouldn't believe what I did. <laughs> he, he didn't really get many chances, though, either. True. He had to watch Jessica, and then he got, he got really drunk. drunk. <laughs> though maybe he would have said it then, too. Yeah, I've yeah. been on the back of a worm. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the eight. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think he did, because he would have been more proud of the fact that he rode a giant yeah, worm yeah, than I, that he first blooded on Grumman. I'm thinking the, the drunken Idaho is the litmus test for this yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm back over to your side. 
But nonetheless, uh, so maybe Gurney's not out there. We'll find out. Uh, we're going to fall back and regroup. And the uh, Emperor is like, give Aaliyah's body to the storm. Like, he is going to kill <gasps> oh, that oh, baby. My <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that changed real quick. Whoa. Uh, Aaliyah, though, backs up. She's so terrified. No. Oh. No, not me. Don't kill me, little me. <laughs> and she backs up into the Baron's arm. The Baron grabs her, and he's like, oh, I'm going to Don't worry, I've got her. I did it. I got this prisoner for you. And just, you know, this is like the cutest thing. She like squirms, turns around in his arms, and it's probably like being cradled for a second, and just boop, and pokes him. Well, she scrapes his palm. Yeah. I really wish it was the neck. Uh, but just boop, gets him, jumps out. And, uh, you know, do you have her actual line in there for what oh. she says to him? I have the part where he falls back because uh, I love this death scene with him. But we get the Atreides Gom Jabbar finally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it. Yeah. I'm sorry, grandfather. You've met the Atreides Gom Jabbar. Ooh, and perfect. And she hops out. Yeah. The Baron looks but This at is it. also the first time that, uh, the Baron is sort of like given this idea that he's related to uh, Paul and this little child, Aaliyah. I, I I think it might actually be processing too, because this is what happens next. The Baron fell back, his eyes bulge as he stared at the red slash on his left palm. You. You. And I'm thinking there, that might be that bit being like, you're my like what? No, That's you're my impossible. granddaughter. Like this thing kind of go. He rolled sideways in his suspensors, a sagging mass of flesh supported inches off the floor, with head lolling and mouth hanging open. And it's, that is the end dead. of the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. I didn't think that was gonna happen like that. It was Baby Aaliyah that did it. It's the best, Mike. What is he? Doesn't even. Well, actually, I do want to say. Way back when we touched on how uh, he's fighting everything. He's even fighting gravity. Mm-hmm. He doesn't lose the fight to gravity. <laughs> Inches off the floor. <laughs> he's got one. He's taking one to the grave with him. But <laughs> the youngest of the Atreides has revenge upon him. That's pretty good. For her father. For her father. I, I don't even know who for, really. Not really. Yeah, no. In a way, definitely. Um, just interesting that it wasn't Paul. It mm-hmm. wasn't Jessica. It wasn't anyone who had ever met Leto that Leto had ever known. It's this one, the one person attached to him that had he had no idea existed, avenges right. him. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But the family feud's over now, Mike. Well, no. Well, assuming, assuming that the storm killed everyone, but I know there's a so, knife fight with Sting somewhere so in here. Until they come back the, from the perimeter walk and we see if he survives. Fuck you, Sting. You ruined <laughs> I love that. Um, so the Emperor calls uh, for them, everyone to retreat into the ship. We got to get all these people out of this tent that's getting blown apart now. And um, there's another light to his side. Ball lightning. Fucking rad. Oh, yeah. uh, somehow this means the outer shield is down now. With all this kind of static pittering out. And the ship trembles again. This time from behind Shaddam. So it's like not just the tent. Now that lighter, yeah. right? That's set, set up is trembling. And the nose the ship has been shot off. He's alerted. Ooh. You thinking rockets or lasers? I think rockets. They I would not rockets. risk lasers. Plus, yeah. they even said they were, like, readying the rockets and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, I don't know how they make it through the sand. They're, like, the worst storm ever. But 
It's fucking awesome. You know, we already discussed, like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, no, but it's still one touch back to him, Mike. Mm-hmm. But just or, cool. or maybe, maybe it is lasers. They waited for the shield to be disrupted out. by the storm. Yeah, yeah. And you have a clear line of sight. Yeah. Shoot that motherfucker off. Zzzz. Yeah, no, I'm down for that. And then the explosion is like the ship breaking, you know, it tumbling. Yeah, yeah, yeah who knows? Um, I don't know. With this chaos, Aaliyah leaps up and she runs off into the storm looking for a knife. <gasps> She's still a child at heart, Mike. Yeah. Uh, and so I showed you way back the picture of Aaliyah in the movie. Uh, is her like out in the Fremen fields with a black robe and she has the Gomjabar still on her finger and the Chris knife in one hand and just like gl- basking oh in the glory. My God. That's her right now. She is so happy. And she's going to go kill wounded because I told you that's what children that's, that's do. children do. Oh, oh, it's Aaliyah of the knife. That's why I've hammered in that that's what children do so much for you. Right. Because we get to see a child do it. God. But it is a Fremen children thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's out, yes. it's got That's got to be why it's of the knife, right? Yeah. It's this night that she's kind of made. Because oh. they all thought she died. If that's we right. go off of that meeting. Well, they, they, I mean, they deemed her dead. She was taken as a hostage. Yeah. yeah, right away. We would have it. I think that is so dead on. So... The emperor is uh, convinced his last stand is going to be here. The Sadokar form an arc at the open section of the Salam Leak. Shaddam stands on his dais. A 40-meter section of the Hutman is blown away at this point. Static lightning crackles in the sand clad outside. Shields are shorting out with spark flashes everywhere. So you're seeing like Sadokar even running out mm-hmm. there with their shields on. The Sadokar are fighting robed men that seem to come down out of the storm. That's my favorite oh. visual bit here, where it says, Out of the sand haze came an orderly mass of flashing shapes, great rising curves with crystal spokes that resolved into the gaping mouths of sandworms. A massed wall of them, each with troops of Fremen riding to the attack. They came in a hissing wedge, robes whipping in a wind as they cut through the melee of the plain. Onward toward the Emperor's hutment they came, while the House Sadokar stood, awed for the first time in their history, by an onslaught their minds found difficult to accept. They came in on worm cavalry. Now, again, this is, I, I we, we built you up to this, Mike. Cause, so they busted the shield wall. Hold on, hold on. I was going to say, the first time we had multiple worms was Jessica coming up. And we just were going to like, Mike, are you comfortable with a couple worms at once? Is that cool with you? And like, well, they have territory. But, like, control them we, okay okay it's because we had to get you ready for a formation of worms and wedge formation coming oh. through the shield wall hole that's why we blew the hole mike yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well i thought it was for the storm but it was uh, it was multi multi-purpose yeah, yeah. little column a little column b <laughs> oh my god mike this is the first time in Arrakis history there are worms in the basin oh my god and they're going ape shit and we're eating up Sadokar, like, just scoops of them yeah. as these ride through. Grandfather was mile and a half long. They're here. They're bringing all the Fremen. It's so... The Fremen are dropped. They're falling down like... Uh... Well, I'm thinking just how big these things are, too. Like, yeah, it must be so cloudy that them jumping off the backs is just like they come out of nowhere. <laughs> What was the, what was the, uh... Going, Moadib! <laughs> and throw, yeah. Throwing babies that they brought with them. It's not like a... Throwing babies. Is that how Leto died? <laughs> oh, oh! Oh, my God! Do you think, I hope not. Do you think Aaliyah spiked him onto a Sato <laughs> Too harsh, too harsh. But, um, what, what was the glossary where we had for, like, the uh, Reign of Sand? 
the rain of sand is El Sayal. El Sayal. It's the sand that never touches the Ooh. Look that up in the back yeah, right yeah. I feel like I'm mixing up two things. Rain of sand full of dust. Uh, oh, yeah, because it has to be like 2,000 meters yeah. like, above the ground. Yeah, yeah, and it gets, just pulls Ooh. down a little moisture. Brought by, uh, carried to medium altitude, or uh, high altitude by Coriolis storm. Mm-hmm. And frequently bring moisture to the ground. So it's going to follow I think, this. I mean, like the perimeter water. Like, they, this literally is like an El Sayal in a way. Mm-hmm. I wonder, too, there's going to be a little symbolic of, like, there's going to be an El Sayal after this battle. Oh. Of, like, moisture is going to kind of come down a little bit. My God, Muad'Dib, he who brings the rain. Exactly. Or as close to as we can get here. <laughs> wow. Just, yeah, that assault. Yeah. That's horrifying. And, like, the Emperor even tells us, like, it's hand-to-hand combat on the plain of Arakeen. Here's the thing, too. Like, I'm sure the Fremen would have been fine with just their knives. The worms are a little overkill. Like, they could have handled the Sardaukar. We know that the women, the children, the elderly could force back the Sardaukar. But we couldn't have gotten here in time. Oh, no, you're right. You're right about that. But I'm just saying, like, it definitely feels like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's salt in the wound. Yeah. We're 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 bringing nukes to a knife fight. Yeah. Like... It's it's really uncalled for in a way, but like you could have brought nukes. <laughs> <laughs> they technically did bring one, but yeah. uh, you yeah, know it. It's, it's not a, even it's, a question in my mind awesome. as to who's gonna win. Obviously, the Sardaukar are gonna get rolled. But what I hate though is that all that it it that's all in this one couple paragraphs. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's all we had to describe it too. That's all you're ever gonna get for what's going on outside this hut, Mike. And that is sort of like, it's the magic of what Frank does in a way of like, I love it. I can run with that a lot. And I sort of like that he doesn't pin me down. Obviously, I, w- I want to see more of it. I want to be there. It's not about the action, though. But like, well, and anything he told me, it's never going to be enough. You're never going to do it fully justice to what you've built up here. And like, just give me that glimpse. I, a little vignette crosses this 40 meter section. I will fill in the rest. Because for me, there's a Raban gurney battle on the outside. I really wish there was. I think the the point, though, is it's not about the battle. No, it's no. not about the action. It is about the politics and intrigue and what people are doing to make their motives become reality. Okay. I want you to start refining, Mike. We're going to have a post-episode uh, once we get through the whole book. Mm-hmm. I think we'll reflect back on a lot of things. And a little bit of time for you to shed, uh, what the fuck did we just read? Uh, <laughs> a Frank takeaway, if you exactly. will. Exactly. <laughs> like, what do you think Frank did this for? Um, but for now, the Sadokar pushed Shaddam back, and they barricade him in the ship. And this, So he was on the dais up until this point. Like, he wasn't ready to retreat. He's shoved into this room. His entourage is already in here. He kind of looks around. And, like... I imagine this is very much like, you know, you're you're in the basement during the tornado. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only one light kind of above. You know, it's a little dimmer. Oh. And it's sort of like illuminating the group around. He looks, and he sees Irulan, flushed with exertion. Gaius Helamahayim, standing like a black shadow. And then the two guildsmen in unassuming gray, fairly calm, all things considered. The tall, fat one holding a hand over his eye. I like that. This is just like, where are we now? This, dramatically, this scene what has changed from where, from where we started. We've all fallen pretty far, right? Yeah. Now, this guy gets bumped, this guildsman. We catch a glimpse of his eye, Mike, and it's all blue within blue. Sort of like the plans within plans. Two mm, was wearing contacts. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we ask this guy, and he tells him, like, look, the guild does not know how this was going to go. 
but he also claims Moadib cannot know either. And this uh, shocks Shaddam back to his senses a little bit, hearing this. Like, mm. he was, I think he, again, being almost representative of the Saudakar, never been dealt a defeat like this, and is left in the same awe of what's happening outside as they are, of just like, what? And yeah. now hearing Moadib doesn't know. Maybe it's like the shell shock starting to end. Yeah, Moadib like gets him like, I can win this. Like, wait, this I'm, in, I'm, in a, I'm in a war, I'm... I'm Shaddam Carino. Like, I'm going to win this thing. And uh, he tells the guy's helm, we, we must make a plan. Guy's helm looks right at him. They have one card left. Treachery. Ooh. Ooh. Who are you going to call for uh, treachery, Derek? Who are you going to call? <laughs> Count Fenring. Da, 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 da. That's over to go. And we get the, uh, the little bit I left here, Mike. Summon Count Fenring from his quarters, the Reverend Mother said. The Padishah Emperor nodded, waved for one of his aides to obey that command. Let out the big dog. Yeah, that's that really makes, yeah, uh, and that's why he's my favorite character, Mike. You got to wait all the way to the last chapter before we let this one out. We've shown you the Emperor and Irulan before. We're going to show you Count Hazemir Fenring. Oh, we already met Fenring though. Ah, son of a bitch, you're right. <laughs> Yeah. Why do you think uh, Irlan has like so much uh, exertion? It's not just this moment, is it? Do you think like she's just taking all this in has been like rough on her? Uh, is there something else going on in the background? I don't know. Oh, I no. I kind of just took it of like, oh, oh, okay, okay. I'm. I just took it as like her rushing to get in here. I think, and then now me sort of like trying to put more into it of like maybe a super embellishment of like because she is a bookworm. Like that is her character through and through, especially in the original Dune. Um, we'll get a little more of her in Messiah and children, but in this mm. one, all she does is write the books. That's sort of just her one role. Uh, so maybe it's like emphasizing that, like she's not athletic. That's not something she's good at. Um, but no, I, I don't think there's anything too much deeper. She's not really involved in any of the in- intrigue that's going to happen around here. If you were trying to get something else out of there. No, I was just curious. I I really clinged on to Guy's Helen standing like a black shadow. And I yeah. like that that's a change, right? Like just in connotation for like what she is. She seems very malevolent at this point. I think when we first met her, she looked pretty malevolent too. Yeah, but wasn't I able to paint you with like she was doing something like I felt like there was noble obligation in every action she took. Yeah, I think we learned that like but at the end of that chapter, not like, oh, this is a terrifying woman. Through the pro- but like, look at how she handled Paula. That was very respectful. That whole conversation, Paul was disrespectful. She walked Paul. Was it? Because she left his hand in there a lot longer than it should have been. No, no, the conversation. Not, okay. not, not the test. <laughs> like, I don't think she was very respectful at all. But she even admitted to him about the test. I went too far. Okay, that wasn't fair. something that's you know. Fair. If you were if you were trying it's to like be, she would, yeah, she wouldn't have had to. Yeah, okay. yeah. Fair, I, fair. I, think, I think you got to give her that one for All it. Right. But like at All this right. point, black shadow, like it's just painting her of like she's totally evil at this mm-hmm. point, or at least as far as we need be concerned. I think it's very symbolic for that. Uh, any, anything you got at the end of that chapter you want to draw on? Anything we missed? You know, what? I think we got most of it. Because I mean, it was such a good one, such a good Aaliyah chapter. I really like that. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Oh, baby, Lee is the best. He's so funny. So 
so humorous. Do you think she let herself get captured on purpose? Yo, yeah. Because for- like, why why would you have that gum jabar ready? Like, where did that come from? What'd she make it out of? Oh, I got nothing for you on that. Uh, the poison that they use is a, yeah. is a metacyanide. Oh yeah, we talked about that. It's in the glossary as well. Oh, does it call it that? Do you, do you know what the meta means in that? No, is it just uh So it is uh it's a standardized uh word that you would apply for chemistry. There is an organization that like sets what all these words means. Oh. And all it means, Mike, it's dehydrated cyanide, which would be like, yeah, liquid dried yeah. on the needle. Okay. Meta cyanide. Yeah. So it's just some sort of like instant powerful cyanide. We can assume it's souped up a little bit uh yeah. for how quickly it cuts in through them at the slightest bit. But yeah. That's all it is. Uh, I don't know why she would have had that ready. So, I mean, you're totally kind of hinting at a little prescience maybe there. She saw this avenue. Yeah, I think I think maybe. Sure, maybe. She's like, and she knew she was going to get out too. Whoa, 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 whoa. But if she sees it because Paul, Paul showed her this avenue. Oh. She could be a puppet. Willingly. But just like, I, I think Paul might have had to instigate this. Maybe. With that kind of revelation with the opening quote, I, I think it might be oh. the case. But also maybe knowing that she possibly had a way out because she he sure. said that uh, everything was clouded, though. So maybe he didn't really know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I think it was just Aaliyah's. Like, I see an opportunity here. I think I'm going to take, take it. Because, again, like, I, I, I kind of all these memories. I know how to make a great poison. Well, and I would say uh, with guys Hellman there, she could have called her out if she had lied when she said, I didn't want to tell my brother about the baby. Mm. Like, that could be a factor. And I think it is, because, like, Paul didn't take that news well. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, didn't he say, like, I'm going to burn everything down pretty much? (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. It's kind of all over at this point of just like, uh, well, fuck you guys. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't got many options. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it was, uh, this was the best thing I think Aaliyah could have done. It's like, I don't want to talk to him right now, but like, I, I can take care of some enemies. Like, hey, it's like, it's just good news and bad news, Paul. It's very revealing yeah. in like a cool way that you have to infer mm-hmm. and on such a personal level. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> good news. Killed the Baron. <laughs> Ooh, bad news, though. <laughs> hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like you got to bury the lead, Mike. Yeah. You're like, hey, your brother's dead, but the grandfather that portrayed our father has been slain by an Atreides. <laughs> what was the first thing you said? <laughs> Ooh. With that, let's leave this chapter, Mike. Let's go pay some chum bills. Oh, chum bills. Derek, you know the only thing better than baby Leah? Uh, That's a tough one. It's to a sell. pretty tough one. Can't what, <laughs> what? What could it possibly be? Besides our beautiful blue-eyed boy, it's the fact that we partner with Audible. Oh! <laughs> and right now they're yeah. offering our listeners a free 30-day trial when they visit audibletrial.com/spiceworldpod. Ooh, that is a great offer. It's a pretty good offer. So, what happens when they sign up? Yeah. They get one credit they can use to pick from one of thousands of titles on Audible, like Dune. Almost an infinite catalog to go through. Exactly, and that was my favorite first audiobook, so mm. I always have a soft spot for it. And if you sign up with your Amazon Prime account, you get two credits. Ooh, that is fantastic. It's pretty you can spend awesome. spend it on anything. Exactly. Then from month to month, you'll get an additional credit you can spend on any book you want. Does not matter the price. One credit equals one audiobook. That's, yeah. There's so many bargains you can find them there. Yeah. Have you been listening to any little gems of late? Oh, Mike, always. Uh, and, like, this is actually one that is something that you don't got to listen to chronologically. 
It is Space Chronicles Facing the Ultimate Frontier by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh! Yeah! And so this is like a collection of essays and various works of him. One chapter is literally a transcribed podcast that he did. And I'm like, it's kind of cheap. But like, if you've ever heard Neil deGrasse Tyson on a podcast worth typing out uh, <laughs> he's pretty good off the cuff and the written word right, like right. he's a very people's person science and i think that's why he fills the void that he does like you know feeling carl sagan shoes in the science yeah, uh, yeah. world for it but so space chronicles basically goes through like the history of nasa and like the future of science exploration uh but then you get to like really funny stuff where have you ever listened to uh, his podcast star talk uh, no, I haven't. Oh, it, it is so good. It's fantastic. And so some of the chapters, I'm just like, it's just like stuff I've heard on Star Talk. Like you said, and I'm like, one of my favorite bits is him tearing into old 1950s sci-fi where he's like, he goes to, goes into saucers and he's like, why do they spin? <laughs> that means they're spinning around something. You're wasting energy spinning the ship that doesn't need to spin. Why do you come down on ramps? Why are all the aliens coming down a ramp? It just like goes into all these little bits. I love it. Or like why you wouldn't put flashing lights on the outside of the ship. Right, Again, right. you're wasting energy. You wouldn't do that <laughs> if you were you a smart that? species. But uh, he also, he commented on the physics of gravity when that happens. And so other sci-fi movies, it's just like a thing he does where like, and he even like cheekily goes like, I just ruin movies for people. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the guy you don't want to sit next to when something in science happens. <laughs> Still love it. So if you guys, if you're a fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you want to get to know him, pick up Space Chronicles facing the ultimate frontier, which is like such, you should have left it at Space Chronicles, but <laughs> by Neil deGrasse Tyson, a man with three names that all deserve to be mentioned that's true but Derek yeah 30 days are up what if you don't like it oh Mike I've thought about this I go to Audible and I would put a tent up in their yard it's gonna be about nine stories by a thousand feet and until they drag in their sister before me I hope she would tell me about the 30 days I have to quit before they charge me. Yeah, that's all. No. That's all. Just yeah. a warning. Uh, in a other warning. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's great that you mentioned that because they will give you a little courtesy email. Let you know that you're about to hit your 30 days. Let you quit if you want to. But, hey, why would you? Yeah. Hey, it's all about taking the right hostage, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you thought about this way too much. But if you do quit, you still get to keep your library. That's yes. yours permanently. Even the Audible originals that you've added in, and we've told you about some. Yeah? Um, we know you understand the value of a good book. You read Dune. We're going to help you get a free audiobook when you visit audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. Oh, and if you guys go there, once you do pick up a book, let us know what it is. We always need some recommendations. So head over to audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. <laughs> All right, let's get back into this. Ooh, let's do it. Ah! Oh, Derek. Yeah, what's going on? So you already uh, teased me a little bit. We're talking about uh, Mama Carino. Yeah, yeah. Benny Gesserit. Now, I want to do Lady Carinos. Uh, ended up way too many pages, Mike. I pulled out seven <laughs> pages. I was like, holy <laughs> crap. It's like, this went way too long. But man, there's some stuff we got to talk about at some point. Uh, so I'm going to not do the daughters. Even though Irulan's there, normally we'll do that when the character shows up. How many daughters are there? There are five daughters, and I will tell you all about them today because we're going to talk about Mama Carino. All right. Wait, what's her name? Her name is Anuril. Anuril. Ooh. It's a, good, it's a good name. It's a great space no, name. That's honestly, a great fantasy name. Dude, she has a good story. All I, right. Like, going through this, I'm just like, this is unlike all the other backstories for someone who doesn't exist. Like... <laughs> 
<laughs> she died 20 years ago, Mike. She's been gone for a while. But let's talk about Anuril Carino. All right. Oh, and you're going to love what this this crosses over with a lot of good okay, stuff. Okay. All right. So she is known as the wife of Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV, known primarily as the mother of Princess Irulan and grandmother of Har Khalada. Har you got to roll that R, Mike. Harkalada. I've never been good at rolling R's. I only learned no. how to do it recently. Yeah, I don't know if you're supposed to for that, but I'm going to continue to. <laughs> uh, just because it puts you at a point of uh, you feel diminished in my presence. I'm oh, like, whoa. you're almost at the end of Dune. I need to keep something over you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm losing ground fast. This- you think thunder rolls in the background whenever she says her name? <laughs> a little bit of lightning. <laughs> yes. Um, Harkalada, though, he's going to be this, like, super famous historian later on like oh. a lot of stuff in dune is going to reference him so you just get to know he's the grandson of anuril so he's definitely the son of one of her it's daughter. gotta be irulan if he's a historian books <laughs> okay. run in the family they're really true but there'll, there'll be five up op- n- not five options five presented a lot of them Peter wrote. It's Irlands. Okay, okay. It's like, a, uh, do you want to win a million dollars? Like, it's it's A. It's A. I don't need to phone a friend. It's A. Oh, God. There's a really good bit in uh, 30 Rock where they make fun of, uh, you know that uh, Guess the Case show that they used to have? It was like Dealer No Deal? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was like that. This guy pitched it, but the case is full of gold. And so uh, you just look up and one girl is like, can't hold the case because it's full of gold. And they're just like, oh. 32. And like, everybody just wins. <laughs> Everyone gets it. Oh, no. <laughs> I just always love that bit. <laughs> but jumping back in. Mike, this material I'm going through, this is new material from Dares Balat. That archive that oh. uh, the God Emperor found. We're digging in. We found these journals. No one's ever read through these before. These weren't around during, like, Paul Moadib's time. Wait. I thought his uh, his journals and stuff was called the the Hor- the Rockus Horde. Yep. In okay. the Daras Balat. Oh, is it the building? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's like, right. That's like proper noun. And then I think. It looks like a snail or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because okay. mollusks, okay. my mollusks, they're <laughs> everywhere. And ovals, I swear. Uh, but so Daras Balat is like the proper name. And the Rockus Horde is like what's in Daras Balat. If mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this is a, we found a collection of Anuril's songs, poems, and journals in the library of Harkalada. Oh. Yeah. And information, information released by the Bene Gesserit archives gives substance to this shadowy historical figure. Wait, they released their archives? They released like, um, yeah, by the Bene Gesserit archives. Oh, okay. Like, the, as an I thought the Benny Jesuit, like, released Boom. it. No, no. Closed library. You can have this file. Okay. Uh, you know, every now and then, I think they accept FOIA requests of uh, <laughs> freedom of information. Like, <laughs> we'll tell you about her now. Yes. Um, so, like many Benny Jesuit women destined to be breeders, Anuril was never allowed knowledge of her parents' identity. Because the sisterhood often inbred closely among family lines and feared adverse reaction because of incest taboos. Now, after thousands of years, the sisterhood feels secure enough to release the information. Ooh. 
So Anuril was a daughter of a liaison between Count Marius Polona, a distaff cousin of House Carino, and Zyvi Elston. Whoa, that's a yeah. good space name. Zyvi. Z-H-A-I-V-E-E. And obviously that's the Benny Gesserit. Uh, well, she's the illegitimate sister of Count Gwillem Ullman. So, no. <laughs> Maybe? No, wait, why is she? Oh. Why isn't what? Well, I guess you don't technically need to have a Benny Gesserit in the line, do you? Nope, that's just become a Reverend Mother. Okay. But not for the Queen Sash Hotterock. Uh, wait, what do you mean? Because she's part of this breeding line, right? And the, ultimately the breeding line is to get to the Kwisatch Hotterock. It's not necessarily everyone for it. Oh. For whatever they're breeding. Yeah, yeah. They don't all need to be Reverend Mothers to get there. Okay. I'm not saying that uh, they need to be Reverend Mothers, but don't you want to have a Bene Gesserit, like, uh, hold over the Kwisatch Hotterock? Oh, oh, oh. In general, um, I don't. Hmm. I think it would be a matter of like, uh, what do you consider a hold? Like, I don't. Think you Wouldn't you want them to look back into that history and everything? Or would that just be there automatically? Uh oh, uh, that should be there cellularly. Okay. Yeah. All right. All that right. that isn't dependent on any other catalyst happening. Okay. So that'd be that would be regardless. Uh, but yeah, I I don't think you need each person to be part of the Bene Gesserit. Like, I can imagine that this, like, illegitimate sister was probably watched by the manager. You know, like, she never really got to make a choice in her life. That right. The manager weren't, like, keeping tabs And really, on. that illegitimacy was just like, hey, I know you want to. Right? No, yeah, yeah, even that could be totally. I think we have to give them the, like, that benefit they, of the doubt, right? They, yeah, no, I definitely, based on what I know from them, they definitely stack the deck. Always, always. Yeah. And they, it, you know what they are? They're like a great magician. We're like, Ooh. you know when they spread, you pick any card. Any card you want. Yeah. And it's because it doesn't really matter what card you pick. Like, we're going to bring you in. Uh, I, lo- I love that. Now, uh, this uh, at birth, Anarul was placed in the Bene Gesserit Kinder House attached to the chapter house of Mike. Take a stab at a planet. Dune. No, no, because no. Well, no. you said chapter house and I was just thinking chapter house dune because that's a book name. Oh, Mike, that's cute. Uh, Walk nine. Let me tell you that chapter house isn't on dune. Oh, what? Just to fuck with you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, even, I don't know. I you don't can know. hit that button for Frank. <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah, it's not on dune. It's just to be that's a dick. Ridiculous. So is Walk nine, I assume. Okay, close. Let's go to Chusick. Chusick. Now, I didn't tell you what year she was born. Okay. She was born in the year 10132. Ah. Do you know who else was born on Chusick in the year 10135? Gurney Halleck. Gurney Halleck. Oh. Are they related somehow? No, but they're on the same planet at the same time. Do you think time. they were, they, they were, uh, grew up together? Remember what we recovered from Anuril? Songs, poems, and her journals. Now, look. Well, I mean, just culturally, she would be surrounded by that, I feel. Um, right, right. I'm going to tell you. No, like, this isn't going to say they met. But holy fuck should they have. Like, would, this is Gurney's soulmate. Like, play it, playing out in the fields. Exactly. She, And she hates where she gets pulled. Like, she should have met up with Gurney. It's all that should have oh. been. It's the only option, Mike. 
Uh, so this kinder house provided care for the infant Bene Gesserit girls who began formal training within the first few months of their lives, mm-hmm. which we've covered Bene Gesserit training. We're like in a few months, they, while you're in the crib, they start giving you Prana Bindu. Like we, de- we right, dive right, into right. that right away. Um, Anaril started keeping journals when she was about five. And even these early entries, uh, show she was unhappy living in a dormitory with five of the girls, supervised by an ever-changing staff of sisters. Her entries indicate a growing inability to make close attachments to others. Instead, she seems to have built a fantasy life about the forest which surrounded her school. Yeah, she's into D and D, Mike. She's in <laughs> role play, but no one, no, but she couldn't connect to others, so she was just rolling that D twenty by herself. Hey, isn't that how it always happens? Until you meet another nerd, and you go finally. Oh my god! Which would have been Gurney Halleck. Like, yeah, I'll play the bard. <laughs> <laughs> no, only when she writes of the forest and its animals do we hear a laughing, carefree child. Oh, well, great! So we even get some excerpts going forward. So, what now. kind of animals are in Chusik? Oh, I don't know. What are you? What are you imagining here? Mm. I'll t- she does name one, but I don't know what it is. Okay. So I work so hard in my prana and bindu exercises, and I'm getting better. But now I just use it to play hide and seek with the armex in the wood. The armex. 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 Yeah, what do you think those are? I don't know. They sound like armored at some point. Like an armadillo, almost. Ooh, I like that. What's the mech part though? Hmm. Like the uh, the size of a deer. Oh, you think it's smaller? You think like maybe like maybe if like she's a dog? playing with it? I think it would be like handheld, like a guinea pig style. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah like a small, yeah. like cute animal that would come up. Uh, this continues. And today, I sat so still uh, that a finch thought I was a bush and tried to build her nest on my shoulder. Oh, that's cute. That's not real. Little alone in the woods with her book, writing stuff down. A bird like tries to make a thing on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. You, you can't get better than that. As Anuru grew older, she became interested in the music which surrounded her on Chusa. Which, yeah. yeah, right. You said like right. And after working with several of the great Lusacord masters, she became Ooh. a skillful player. Unfortunately for her, the sisters did not consider such a skill useful or appropriate. God. They don't recreate. That's that. not their thing. Their their duty. Their purpose. But the loose accord. The loose accord makes an appearance. You got an idea of what that's like or what that is? Is that a real instrument? I actually Again, don't know that. No, 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 no. In the Mike, in the encyclopedia, that was like that list of instruments. They threw like three at me. You just have chord to really go by for like what it is, but you need to just take a stab at it. What you think a loose accord is going to be? I don't know. I'm gonna think it's like the bass. For the uh, the battle set, but oh. like I'm thinking, you know, no, I'm sorry. We're gonna kind of describe what it is a little bit. It's definitely harp like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it. like a harpsichord almost. Exactly, but mm, I don't know. But it's like horizontal instead of vertical. Uh, that was that was the big revelation. We can do this. Uh, I don't know, maybe like you throw a gyroscope in there, you get some weird sounds for some reason. Uh, Who knows? But she's awesome at it, right? Uh, Got to play with the best masters, which is, again, like, it's got to bring you tangential to Gurney Halleck some way. Mm -hmm. His family makes the fucking ballast sets and stuff. Oh, who's the big maker of Verota? He was one of the greatest. Right, uh, right. But the families make it, like, in general. He had been around, though. 
Uh, I don't know the years. I, I think he's long dead. Okay. I think his instruments are like how we have... Um, Stradivarius. Thank you. Uh, like a few of them kicking around, but yeah, you can't get any new ones. Uh, there was only one little ice age that we got to make those great ones out of. Ah. So, um, this continues with, uh, I think it's Honorable's talking. The lovely melodies that sing from my strings are all that keep me from dying in this rigid, sterile place of women and rules. All the sisters tell me how ugly I look when I play my darling Binbeck. Apparently the name of her lus accord. She named it. So Binbeck is going to be her instrument. Um, And that I will end up a wandering minstrel instead of a proper lord lady. Well, I don't want to be a lord's anything. I want to be a musician all my life. Just like one other person we know at Damn, this exact point in right. his life. They really are soulmates right now. <laughs> they're having they're both having the same thought of like, Dad, I want to go be a musician. Sister, I want to go be a musician. Do you think they wish upon the same star? Oh <gasps> man. And just to be like what someone if, write this. What if that's why the Shaddam really hates Lado? <laughs> like <laughs> my wife has a crush on your <laughs> lieutenant. But this continues. Uh, such a career would be forbidden, of course, right, for a right, Bene Gesserit right. breeder. And at 14, Anuril was transferred to the Chapter House School of Gamont for specialized training. Now, this does also mean she does leave Tusik before Gurney would have the inkling to tell his parents. It was at 18 he was going to say it. And he's younger than she was. Mm-hmm. So she's already gone at that point. She goes to Gamont, which we know what Gamont is like. Her journals for that period record a short and unhappy residence there. Uh, oh. Yeah, she was. She didn't want to go to Gramont. That's not her thing. She might have gotten along with Matilda. Uh, yeah, if Matilda was still there. Uh, or if Matilda came after, we're not sure. <laughs> Thank the great mother. The sisters are transferring me to Kaitan next month. Molly says she's never heard of a novice being sent to three different schools, and she thinks I'm either a special student or a dumb one. <laughs> I think the dumb label is the right one. I simply can't stand the lessons we're having now. The man I had today was pitiful, and Mama Jackal had named me all these idiotic postures to assume. And that silly costume with glitter for my nipples and that stone in my navel? I told her that these sessions would work better if I could take Binbeck with me to play. But she just snorted through her nose and said something about music therapy, whatever that means. And I feel like I went up a little bit tilted there as I went through. Yeah, but yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it. She didn't want to be there. She hated it. She has the same sentiment. Um, it's like, why am I wearing this? But I love that she also, like, she's clearly aware of what it is, though. Right, right, Not right. as naive as Matilda was. I'm like, this nipple play stuff. I'm like, just let me play my instrument. I'm like, I can do so much better. This is ridiculous. Um, and she must feel so out of character in that oh outfit. Oh, my God. Uh, now... Uh, I don't know what Kaitan is like, but it can't be any worse than this. I just wish I didn't get so sick when we travel. Mm. So, we're off to Kaitan, though, which clearly Imperial Capital. That's where we're right, sending her right, for right. a reason. Sister Mora says that I'll have to uh, study regular academics there, plus deportment, etiquette, and regular Bene Gesserit training routines. And that there are lay students in the school, too, from the noble houses. I've oh. never lived with regular people, just uh, with sisters and mothers. I think I'm going to have to invoke the calmness regimen every other minute. Ooh. No, she's not excited about seeing these other normal people. 
Just like this is another like aggravation to her. Mm-hmm. Like she clearly just wants to play this instrument yeah. and not see anybody ever. <laughs> like, well, you know what? If she gets good enough at her job where she can hand it down to another young blood, she can just sit back and play her instrument all day. Mike, have you read this chapter? I don't know. She must have managed quite well in Kai 10, though, because the Bene Gesserit chapter house grade reports for 10149 to 10150 list Anuru as an honor student. In 51, uh, she's listed as graduating with highest honors in literature and history. All right. All right. Well, maybe she is like, all right, I'll play your game. I'll play your game. Uh, from 52 to 53, Anuril assisted m- uh, Mother Chamberlain for the Kai Tan Chapter House. And it wasn't until uh, 10154 that was, she was sent to House Carino as a concubine for the young Shaddam. Oh, so she got a few years of like at least something that she was okay mm-hmm. with. She mm-hmm. was doing well. She was thriving. Now she's sent as a concubine. The journal entries for this period show an interesting, pleasant, but purely platonic relationship between the two young people. Hmm. Did you know Shaddam's a fucking nerd? No. Shaddam was interested in her music and poetry, and Anura was intrigued by his gem collection and his knowledge of historical... Oh, his gem collection. They added that I just know. because I, of the throne. The, oh, you think it's... Yeah. Oh, you think that's part of his gem collection? Yeah. yeah that's beautiful. <laughs> Wait till you see this one. Like, his other thing, his knowledge of historical architecture and costuming. Like, in the weirdest... I'm glad they got to nerd out, though. Oh like, that must have been really awesome for the both of them. But, like, that's so absurd. <laughs> now, the Padishah Emperor, Elrude the Ninth, however, was intrigued by Anuril's Gamot background and apparently insisted on tests and refresher lessons for himself. Uh, that's as creepy as it sounds. Welcome back to the Imperium. Uh, yeah, you thought it was really nice. She was going to have a good time in this house. I was really enamored by the gem collection that everything yeah. went to hell. Yep, we're, it's almost like we're on Harco. Uh, the journal shows uh, that as as her friendship with the son grew, so did her hatred for the father. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, right? Uh, it kind of sounds like she's being raped a little bit. Now, in 101.55... So this has only been a year. Mm-hmm. Shaddam takes Anuril as his wife, and this primarily protects her from his father's growing obsession. Yeah. It's kind of irrelevant because the following year, in 56, he murders uh, Elrude and Shaddam <laughs> takes the throne. So I'm like, maybe you just do that first? Whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever. However you do things, at least she's your wife. Plato. Now, no official recognition is given to Anuril to start, though. She's still the concubine when he uh, really? kills his pops. Oh, yeah. getting the Jessica treatment, though. Well, only after the birth of the first child, Irulan, in 101.65, will she give an official status. So, take that back. Irulan's oldest. Yeah, Irulan's oldest oh, child. I thought she might have been the youngest. Because she's such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's apparently gonna, everyone in her family. Well, I thought she was going to be like the same age as Paul. Sure. No, no. She's a li- she's quite older than Paul. She's oh. got like um uh, ten years on Paul. Mm. Paul's born in seventy five. Okay. Which is why I've always found it weird that like no, I don't think I think her child was supposed to be matched with Paul's child, and which is sort of like how does that work for the Benedict well, no, plan? Well, maybe as a backup, but it was supposed to be Fade Routh's child. Right. But no. no oh. Uh, right. Right. Well, I'm sorry. With Paula. 
Right. Does, does that fix my statement? Uh, but no. So either way, though, that doesn't line up with the Irulan, right? Right. Like, so what was the what were they going to do for the emperor? Somebody has to replace Shaddam, and it doesn't seem like anyone made a choice. I think they were just keeping it in reserve. Playing Because uh, yeah. they can pull the trigger any time they want, you know? We got I, five, five daughters to choose from. That's what we're banking on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, this uh, kind of continues on. Although there is no official information available about um, Anuro's actual rank listed as hidden rank in the available Bene Gesserit records, it must have been at least Mater Acriar from the types of communications noted in her journals after 10160. So this is after she's been married, before Irulan is born. She's sending messages back and forth, okay. right? Now, when uh, she was sent to Shaddam, her original orders were, pro- were to produce a minimum of four daughters for the sisterhood. But during the early years of her stay, Shaddam limited himself solely to social intercourse, although his father demanded a more intimate relationship, forcing Anuril to practice strict birth control. So, this is like while the father is uh, assaulting her. Right. She is just making it so she can't have any children mm-hmm. because she doesn't, she needs to know whose kid it's going to be. Right, right, right. I'm not here to get yours. You're screwing everything up. So, that's like complicating the bed. She's telling the bench, I can't do anything. Yeah. Nothing I can do right now until this is relieved. To further complicate matters, when Anuril finally overcame Shaddam's inertia, she found him sterile forcing her to surreptitiously feed him fertility drugs. Oh, shit. Problem gets worse and worse. And I don't know how fertility drugs fix that, but okay. I guess not permanently sterile. All right, so she's doping the emperor. Yeah, so now we're drugging the emperor to try to get this baby thing to happen. For nine years, Anura lived in peace with her music and her poetry answering increasingly urgent demands from the sisterhood with periodic sperm count reports. Oh, my God. Her job sucks. Yeah. By 10163, however, Anuro's life was troubled by more uh, by the stringent orders delivered through Shaddam's truce-sayer, Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Mahayam, mm-hmm. um, that she must conceive. So we've been spending sperm. Like trying. Yeah. Hey, trying to get the sperm count up. It's low. It's bottom of the barrel. Now we get a kind of sense of when Gaius Helen comes in, though. 10163. That's when okay. we get a truth slayer. Now your boss is in the building. Okay. Yeah. I kind of get the feeling that's why your boss is in the building. Oh. And uh, to put the pressure on, the sisterhood had received reports that casual relationships had produced two illegitimate sons by Shaddam outside of the royal residence. What? So the fertility drug's working. He's had these bastards. You know, we got Mike, we got two new nukers on the on the up and up. Uh, oh. These are people that'll be in the court eventually. He's uh, got some side honeys. Yeah. Well, of course. Oh, he's got a you know, he's got a whole wing of the building dedicated to concubines. True. Like that's, he's the emperor. I bet the better doesn't aren't too king on this. No. So we get uh Anuril's personal writing. I must do something. Gaius Helen was here again all morning, lecturing me first and then actually threatening me. I hate that self-righteous bitch. <laughs> and she says that Saddam is wasting his seed on nobodies while I squander all the time and attention on Binbeck. <gasps> or Lizagard. <laughs> Which even she... Refer- She's kept the same instrument for so long. Oh, Mike. 
if she loves one thing, it's that. It's oh, been bad. Oh, my God. Reminds me of Lucille and Trigger. Of what? Uh, B.B. King's guitar and... Uh... Oh, God. Is that Lucille? Yeah, Lucille. Okay. What's Trigger? Uh, oh, God. Is I can't... Pick? No, no, a uh, different, uh, different musician. Oh, okay, I, okay. Uh, God, it was. Like, I was blanking. Willie Nelson. Okay, okay. Um, I thought you were making like an Arrested Development joke. No, I was no, like, no. What? I know it all. Tell me what Lucille did. No, it's just like you know, you they are really adamant about their instruments. They play the same one for decades. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That that Willie Nelson with the hole in it from where his hand is yeah. strung on. Yeah, that, that's a uh, trigger. Yeah. Yeah, but just yeah, his guitar for yeah, it. Yeah. That's amazing. That's the only one. I don't know the other one. Uh, I like B- you said BB King. BB King. Yeah, yeah. I don't know his guitar. Not important enough. It's not the Masamune of guitars. Oh, oh, you listen to some BB King. You might change your tune. I uh, know he's pretty great, but he's no bin back, Mike. No bin back. <laughs> no bin back. Now, this continues on. Uh, that woman has neither humor nor soul. She sits each evening, each evening during the music and fleeting, glaring at me from under her black hood. Like, of course, oh. during the music, that's going to hit uh, her mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. I never did agree with the sisterhood's directive, and she knows it. She told me today that she's already made it impossible for me to, debl- to delay any longer, but she wouldn't say any more. When she left, I did two careful psychokinesthetic probes looking for poison. But there was nothing unusual except a a dim aura mingling with my cells. Whatever that is, it seems to enhance rather than harm my chemistry. Maybe that's why my complexion is cleared. What? Like some sort of glow, an A-U-R-A, an aura to her cells. And so, uh, weird, not a reverend mother, can totally do psychokinesthetic, uh, ding, 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 through her cells. What's going on? Well, uh, but then, two months later, Anuril discovered the truth of the threats and the aura. Mahayam was here again this afternoon. I must seduce poor Shaddam after all. It will be difficult after all these years of trust and friendship. She hates him, though, as much as, as, much as she hates me. Him for his inattention to the Empire, and me for my lack of daughters. That aura that lives in me is a little gift from the sisterhood. A residual poison that only kills upon withdrawal. No. Now, Mike, when this came up, I figured you were going to be hurt a little jink. But what if I I want to entertain a thought for you, Mike? Okay. Piter. Yeah. We turn back the clock. Okay. A few years. Mm -hmm. He has a Bene Gesserit captured. Wana. She's strapped to the table. His interrogation room. He's had weeks months all the time he's ever wanted with a Bene Gesserit what if what if Mike he extracted one bit of information about one particular thing I... what if Piter got a Bene Gesserit poison I honestly thought to God that he made it based off of the spice but you're right that's totally a possibility right totally a possibility and I, I have to entertain it now because we're poking a hole and we're giving the Ben and Jesuit this drug that was clearly attributed to Piter I before. think it's more of a fighter drug, though. Uh, I, honestly, I'm not going to go with this. I think that's a disservice <laughs> okay, to our beautiful uh, blue-eyed boy. Oh, you were on board for that second. Well, anything to just relive the glory days of Piter. Sure, sure. No, but, but so for this, I, I like to think 
that's what maybe that's what he got from Lana. Maybe that's again why he was so interested in Jessica. Mm-hmm. What can you teach me? Exactly. What more? But can I, I like? think looking back at it, it was never about the Benny Gesserit. It was just about like having that like domination and authority. That power trip. Oh, yeah, the symbol yeah. for it. And then I, I think uh, what you just touched on for the derivative being like, it is clearly, I think, the spice. It would be the inspiration for him right. because that's a poison he can't walk away from. Mm-hmm. Of like, yeah. And that's so Piter. Take something that you like and then taking it away is what kills you. Right. That's so devious. But <laughs> that's so Piter. That's so Piter. We're going to attribute it here. You know what? Maybe guys hell and bought it. From a certain Twisted Menta oh, while she was fucking his more. while she was fucking his master. <gasps> oh shit! That could that could happen too. Maybe, maybe, oh yeah, because Piter was there then. Maybe not, but like we're gonna fudge some numbers to make it happen. Because we did it, we did it the number of when Piter showed up. But let me continue with Anuril. Okay. That's more important at this point. So nonetheless, we have this poison in her, and it's a, it's this aura on her cells. She continues. We were told of such a thing on Gamont. And now I know why that was the one poison they didn't let us neutralize. Which is like, okay, I'll make that leap. So it's saying like her training on Gamont, she got the experience of all these poisons. She was told about this, but they didn't let her experience it. Now you're what? now we're stretching the, the cloth a little okay. thing, here, right? Right. They really had me. They're losing me. They was the audience. They literally went one step too far. You yeah. s- stop where you had it, man. Take a lesson for Frank. Let me fill in the voids. But they continue on. Uh, they use it on us. I knew there was a good reason to hate Mahayam, but now I hate my own order. Mike, meet a renegade Ben and Jesuit. <gasps> dun, yeah. Dun, dun. yeah. Well, she's not immortal though. No, no, it's not it's not what you want, but it's close. Now, obviously this Bene Gesserit stratagem was effective, for the couple produced five daughters going forward. In the year 10165, our oldest daughter, Irulan, is born. Oh. Hey, Irulan. So wait, this makes me think that it wasn't the infertility at all. It was just like she wasn't trying hard enough. It's like now that we threaten you with death and poison, now sure. you're pumping them out. I I mean I don't That's just kind of weird. Infertility to me, like, seems so permanent that it's a weird thing to be like, so it was just temporary. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. Well, it's it's not necessarily a permanent thing, but it just makes me think that, like, oh, it's all in her. Like, how hard were you really trying? That's what it makes me think of. It's like, all they did is she, guys held behind, brought a loaded gun. It's just like, make babies, points it over at her. I guess, but it was the sperm count report that it gets me. Yeah, I know, but, like, I don't get it. And neither do I. That's what I'm saying. I'm just like, well, no, obviously she overcame that because he had illegitimate children. So her drug was working. Yeah. That makes me think like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. She gonna, just didn't but care. Clearly he was coming. Like I, there was an exchange of fluids. <laughs> How did we not get babies? What were we doing wrong here? Again, I just, uh, maybe she just wasn't really trying. <laughs> until her boss like, came I'm like what does that even mean i don't know <laughs> i know it but we get five kids mike we start with Irulan. second child chalice she's born three years later after that wencisia chalice and wencisia oh wencisia wencisia i knew you'd be familiar with that one that was in uh 70 in the year 72 we get josephia josephia and then in 75 we get rugi Rugi? R-U-G-I. Rugi. Rugi, the youngest daughter. Now, Anuril's relationship with her daughters was never very close. Oh. 
She began Irulan's Bene Gesserit training almost from birth, and she, as, she, as she was instructed to do so by the sisterhood. But the two showed little affection for each other. Damn. Just going through the motions. Stone cold. Irulan adored her father, was jealous of any time her mother spent with him, and so spent most of her time trying to turn Shaddam against his wife. Jesus. While under... <laughs> That's kind of a classic like setup though, where like it's, it's like, like the, the reverse parent trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> While Anura was merely cold towards Irulan, she was actually repelled by Wensisia. Whoa. Anura's journals show that she despaired of her child's aggressive, hostile, and even malicious behavior. What? Yeah, when Cecilia is... She's uh, got a little more Sardaukar in her than the rest of yeah, the children. Yeah, that's totally it. Oh, what was that thing I read about when Cecilia then? Like, uh, Couldn't tell you, Mike escapes my mind. I've never God. heard her name before in my God life. damn it. Uh, she'll be a character. Yeah, yeah, She'll actually get some spotlight. Now, when Anuril found four-year-old when Cecilia using a prism to burn holes in the fur of the family lap cat. <laughs> <laughs> the family lap cat? Yeah, and like I like it specified like that is a docile cat that will just that's their lounge, right? It's like a chair dog before they make up. It's a oh. flap cat. Anuro renounced her completely. Which I love is like this four year old is disbanded. Like I will not have her take my name. <laughs> Apparently the only daughter Anuro loved was Chalice, a sweet child with a voice as golden as her hair. Oh. Yeah. Not in the chamber this day, was she? No. No. Anuril's days were spent with her music, her books, and her gardening, while her nights were spent performing the sisterhood's duties. Bow, chicka, bow, wow. Yep. She produced several hundred poems. I, what do you think I was going to oh say? Oh my that? god! What do you think I was going to say? Like, what? Uh, two folios of loose accord music and thirty-eight oh, journal volumes. Two folios, Jesus! Oh yeah, oh. her life's work. Wow. But Anuril was frequently unhappy during the final 10 years of her life. The constant pregnancies interrupted her work and disturbed her psyche. Mm. I was not meant to be a womb only. My real children come not from my body, but from my mind. The poems show my soul, but the songs which float from Binbeck are my real delights. So sad. Yeah. They carry my spirit while these daughters, these vessels of blood and bone, are my duty, meaning no more to me than did those daily lessons I used to hand in so reluctantly. Damn. Wow. Imagine looking at your kids like the homework you passed in in school. Nothing more meaningless and trivial. Man... It would have been, like, her and Gurney just, like, on the porch, just playing instruments and drinking lemonade. That's all I want. Yeah. Oh, my God. Going on tour every year? Yeah. You'd, I don't even think they'd own a home, Mike. They'd have, like, a trailer because they're <laughs> on the road so often, right? It doesn't even make sense to have a home. <laughs> They've got a Chusick Volkswagen. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, when she learned that five daughters were not enough to satisfy the sisterhood's demands, Anuril decided death was preferable to everlasting breeding. Hold up. Didn't they only ask for four? They demanded four to start. It was always Oh, more. they upped it? It's always more. As guys held behinds on him. First, she stopped ingesting any food or liquid in an attempt to avoid the poison. Because that aura in her cells. But she continued to find the aura present, Mike, among all her cells. She then deduced that the poison was a contact one and eliminated touching things intimate to her until she finally found the source. 
What do you think the source is, Mike? What's the touching source of her poison? That monster. Why would she do that? Let me continue on because I think you got it. Reverend Mother Mahayam had impregnated the wood and the strings of Honorel's beloved Binbeck, making the instrument of her joy also the instrument of her destruction. That's a fucking Bene Gesserit lesson. Damn. The... That, uh, you got to, like, it kind of brings you full circle back to respecting Gaius Helm a little bit. That is super dark. Jesus. That's that's the last we're going to hear from her. Yeah. From Anuril. In a commentary on her music, Harkalada writes of his grandmother, I wish I had known Anuril. Her portrait shows a slender, elegant, golden-haired woman whose large amber eyes glow in a heart-shaped face. But her songs introduced me to a fragile dreary dancing through a world far lovelier than any I have ever known. May she and Binbeck be given a corner of eternity in which to play their melodies. The words of Harkalada. Wow. About his grandmother. Damn. That brings me to the end of Anuril Carino. That was dope. Further references. In my father's house. Ah! <laughs> by Erlon, of course. Are they all by Erlon? No, no, no. There's two things. House and Homes by Hark Alada. Okay. <laughs> of, course. of course, the two. Close, close enough, adjacent. The two historians in the family. That's all I got for you. Wow. How was that? That was a ride. I got invested in that. And, like, I want to tell you about all the daughters, too, Mike. Because, look at that. Uh, what I get? Five daughters. Four of them have stories. Three of them are characters. Wait, four of them have stories? Yeah. One of them doesn't have a story? One of them's fucking Harmon Thep. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, she just like, her name's there and that's it? I I don't want to dig into here. We're going to do a Between Two Dunes on this eventually, so we'll get to it when we get to it. Let me leave the mystery there, but yeah. Oh my God. Just enough that one of Shaddam's daughters is Harmon Theft. That's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And uh, I think by bringing that in, it's time to get on a Highliner, right? I got a ticket to somewhere, Mike. Where am I going today? Oh, Daniel's Dune Gazetteer. Off to the stars. Off to the stars. So, as you know, Every week, we take a look at the stars and planets of Frank Herbert's Dune, A Gazetteer by Joseph M. Daniels. And uh, I guess maybe just in the spirit of what we've been talking about, well, well, you'll find out. (laughs) Oh, in the spirit of how I've been doing things. System data. Star name. Lao Jin. Spectral type A. Known planets? Wallach 9. Ooh. Ooh. What's the Lao Jin thing? What the fuck? Is that actually... Are you going to include that at all, or...? Okay. Yeah, you can you can continue. Oh, that was intentional? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know if you actually mixed up. I'm like, I'm really interested of, like, sort of China to cover the star, like... Well, I don't know. Okay. That's... So, yeah, it's not... Yeah. I thought you fucked up. No. Uh, Go, go. Well, no, because the it adds here. I heard, yeah, the guild transmission just cut out for a second. Yeah, no, well, okay, the, the, it's interesting, because uh, normally I've got, a, like, history, 
etymology, place and space. Most of this is going to be etymology, and the first portion of it, in general, I'm just going to call the whole piece the mystery of Wallach 9. <laughs> Similar to Kaizen, not nearly as bad, because we know that Wallach 9's a planet, at least. Okay, that's a, a good job, Greg. So, maybe Kaizen's where he started. <laughs> who knows? But, we'll start here with Daniels. Wallach 9 will be the site of the mother school of the Bene Gesserit and is the ninth planet of Laojin. This simple statement contains several mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> As my face would explain. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think those mysteries are, Derek? Okay. Why? Well, it's not named after the primary, right? Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. normally is how these things kind of go. So, right, like, right. what the hell is Lao Jin? All right, right, and that's right. so different language. -wise. That sounds like Chinese or at least Asian and kind of like pull right. for me. I'm like, who found this star? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are we doing? Where does Wallach come from? That Wallach, to me, is like... That seems, I, I want to say German, but at least European. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, kind yeah. of, uh, but walk me through this. Take me wherever you need to. Okay. I'm an open book at this point. All right, you got it. So, uh, you nailed it. That, that was the magic word. So, first off, this word has two things we need to talk about. First, a planet called Wallach 9 should orbit a star called Wallach. Presumably. Presumably. Mm-hmm. Or else, why do we call all the planets Wallach? But exactly, Canopus Three is what we call Dune. Ix is literally the ninth planet, no. unless it was Sir Walter Wallach that discovered oh. this place. Well, the second thing is, one is stunned to find that Lao Jin means the old man. It's the Chinese name for Canopus. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Ooh, the son okay. of Dune. So I feel like that was like a salve to my confusion. I'm yeah, just, like, just like, oh, 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 Frank, that is how you do things. Okay, <laughs> exactly. Carry on, Daniel. Carry Continues. on. In fact, it was the name under which the Chinese worshipped Canopus as late as 100 BCE. Okay, so that's just kind of interesting as well. So well, just and what, if I can just reach back yeah. to our uh, Dune Encyclopedia timeline, it didn't make the point to tell me China is the only nation that doesn't fall until 1400. Oh, they're independent while well, Rome and Greece are doing their thing and whatever this continuation mm -hmm. is, even if it's like a bastardized uh, view of the Imperium. Right. Like, he just makes the point to be like China did its own thing. So I feel like did Frank just have this kind of soft spot to be like they need to be acknowledged, right? At least a little bit. Maybe. All it's right. hard to say. Who knows? Yeah. But moving forward, any explanation is completely speculative. As as, yeah. as you just put <laughs> thank forth. You, thank you. Uh, you're just proselytize with I should have just waited a second. Yeah, you, you and Daniels are on the same page here. Um, one cannot entirely rule out a careless error on Herbert's part. Presently, my own inclination is to imagine that the Bene Gesserit renamed Wallach in honor of Canopus and its third planet. I don't know why they would rename it in its honor, though, unless it like had something to do with the spice specifically. Wait, but, wait, like, but Lao Shin... Is the thing that connects to the, like the old man and stuff. Are you saying yeah. that's what they they renamed the star? Yeah, which I feel like it would be reversed because you make a good point that like you know uh, China lasted so much longer, and then it disappeared. So like, why would they name it Lao Jin? Wouldn't that be a dead? Oh oh no, that's not where I was coming. From. Oh. Where I was coming from was like, why would you rename the star and not your planet? Oh, I don't know. Like the planet you're on that everyone yeah. like call that Lao Jin. Mm. But okay, sounds like too much paperwork. Sure. Who oh knows? yeah. Oh, I don't know how permits work. Yeah, <laughs> could be a nightmare. <laughs> nightmare. You need a mentat for that. 
Uh, and you know how they feel about Mentats. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Uh, at first, I considered that the star names might really indicate that Wallach 9 and Dune were in the same star system. You know? Dune being the third planet, Wallach 9 being the ninth planet. Why not? You know, especially as this has gone, why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if there's any hard evidence at all, it is this. The son of Wallach 9 was described as a small... <gasps> Blue white sun. Yeah. And oh, you want to say something? No, I'm just like, I'm blown away that that is how he like is able to, because clearly that would let you determine it. You right. look it up in the star record. You're going to know what the star should be colored as. Right, right, That's right. awesome that he cues him to be like, fuck you. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, Frank, I'm on to you. Yeah, yeah. So now small is a relative term and a ninth planet is very far from its sun. But a star's color is another matter. If Laojin is blue-white, which is a spectral type A, then it cannot be Canopus, which is spectral type F. One remembers the milky light of a, the Arakeen sun, which at sunset was depicted as a silvery-yellow half-circle. <laughs> oh, using his own word? Yeah. Get him, Daniel. Get him. <laughs> get him, get him, Daniel. <laughs> so we can at least exclude the possibility that Canopus was intended by Laojin, but we have no other information suggesting a possible location of Laojin or Wallach and its ninth planet. We just don't know. Cool. I will take that. That is great. It's absolutely weird. And uh, here's here's a little bit of the etymology that he can go for on where Wallach comes from. It's oh. very brief. Okay, that's cool. Um, you're you're sort of you're getting close there. But I mean, Europe is a really large safety net for yeah, that. It claim. really is. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any specific guesses within Europe? Okay. Um, no, no. So, like, obviously, I wanted to cue in on German. You're giving me cues that it's not German, or else you'd be like, Derek, you're right. It's German. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So, I'm going to, like, lean in more. I'm going to walk into the Poles, but I'm going to be like, no, nah, Napoleon knocked you guys down too much. I want to go a little more. I want to just a foot into Estonia. Estonia. That's where I am. You know, like, is it Latvia, Estonia, those three microstates on the edge of the former Soviet Union? Oh, gosh. That uh, border, like, the Baltic. You, you know, I think you're getting there. That's where I, I would, like, Latvia, if that's the one I know that's there. I'm in all Latvia right. right now, Mike. All right, all right, all right. Give me Wallach. I like it. So, Wallach is an appropriately gothic name to attach to the Benny Gesserit Mother School. Wallachia, land of the Vlachs, is the country between Transylvanian Alps and the Danube River, lying in modern Romania. Damn! Yeah. All right. One has only to recall that the prototype for Count Dracula was Vlad the Impaler, the Prince of Lachia. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the defender of Christendom. I did know that. Uh, yeah. And I think I've recounted to you before of uh, where we get the name of the croissant. Oh, no. The croissant was invented as a celebration of Vlad repelling back uh, the invaders that were coming in. Oh. And it was a um, a French uh, French or Venetian banker. Uh, baker. Sorry. Uh, baker. baker. <laughs> yeah. He just bought this bagel. <laughs> uh, no. He was a baker. And so the whole point of the croissant is it's a crescent moon that's on the Arab flag. And we consume it because we beat you so badly. Damn. Hell of a way to make a meal. Wow. That's a the violent dessert. That is where I have learned the croissant came from. And that was from the novel The Historian by Elizabeth Kostova. And I know this isn't our uh, chum tribute, but uh, it was a really fun book. I actually kind of highly recommend it. Really? People. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I won't go too much for it, but okay. it, it deals with Vlad Dracula and stuff like that. I learned that little bit. That's wild. Yeah. That's so cool. The croissant. The croissant. 
Um, there's only one last thing he has to add here, which is just, it's almost sort of like a, a footnote in this whole thing. Oh, okay. Where, uh, looking into Wallach 9 and Wallach, there's only one other mention of Wallach that he can really, like, find, but he assumes it's in reference to Wallach 9. And the Wallach is just a shorthand of that. Ooh, okay. I can't tell you the book it's from. I was going to say, so it's something in the Dune I think universe, it's within clearly. the Chronicles. I presume that Wallach 9 is intended by Dama the Great Honored Matre. When she mentions Wallach in a list of conquered planets. Uh, wait, give me her name again. Can you spell it? D-A-M-A. The Great Honored Matre. That might be the Spider Queen. The what? The Spider Queen, Mike. The Spider Queen? Yeah. That's some D&D shit right there. Yeah, that is the Spider Queen. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, uh, it's actually kind of perfect where I've just le- recently listened to this scene. Uh, so read what was the proof? Read it back one more time, just so I know what you're saying. That uh, Dama, the great honored Matre, mentions Wallach on a list of conquered planets. He's assuming she's referring to Wallach Nine. Uh, okay, I uh, this, I played this. Oh, this was like literally within the, I think the past two weeks because I almost went to get you, and I was gonna be like, Mike would probably appreciate hearing this because she lists off like they've conquered Gamont, <gasps> Akaz. And it's, it's basically like the best. Every planet we the best of Dune, Mike, uh, as they go through. And yeah, they drop Wallach as how, a thing. How far in the future does this happen? Uh, or is this the past? <laughs> I don't wouldn't know. Wouldn't it be great if this the whole time of a tiny time is a flat circle? Is because we actually <laughs> come back? No, no, it's far in the future, right. very far. Played by Quisash Hadarak rules. Yeah, this is literally like the last book. Okay, okay. a chapter house Dune, wow. which is not on Dune, as I've just. Told I bet you. it has something to do with the God Emperor. I mean, everything does. Oh yeah, even in this book. Wait, what? Everything has to do with the God. Like you can't escape the God Emperor. That's kind of the point. Mm. Keep reading. All right, all right, all right. All right. But no, don't. Dama, Spider Queen, Honor Matres. That's, that's it. awesome for you guys that have made it to the end of the, like, the series. So. I know. That's yeah. crazy, though. I can't like, wait that's for all you. the Daniels has to go on. Yeah. Like, that's the mystery of Wallach Isn't that crazy Nine. to be, like, the Bene Gesserit? No, like, we, I, I want to say Homeworld. You know what I mean when I say that, yeah. obviously. Like, you know, that's, mm-hmm. like, their center of operations. Right. Not a thing. Like, you never go there. We're never going to really mm-hmm. deal with it. It's never a fucking thing. Which is like, it's the beauty of Frank's book. It's so weird where it's like, it's super precise on some things and we just never even talk about other mm-hmm. things, but they're all equal. And it's, like, I, I think this might've been one of those, uh, one of those names where he just sort of picked it and it's just like, don't really attach too much meaning to it. Yeah. And just like, it sounds good. Boom. Done. We're not going there. We're not going to talk about it. doesn't matter. And I mean, not every world is numbered like that either. Yeah. Wallach nine. Gady Prime, Caladan. Yeah. None of those are numbers. It's just a little weird. All over the place. But I do, I've always appreciated Wallach 9. <laughs> it has a certain, like, just authority to it. Yeah. Right? It like, sounds good. Yeah. That's where, that's where Chapter House <laughs> is in the vintage. That's right. I love it. I love it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Good news. Ooh, what's that? I gave him a map. Oh. <gasps> Oh my god, thank god, because I left that window open. It's getting fucking cold yeah. in here, so he should be here any second yeah. then, right? Oh, yeah, there he is. Can you hear that bell? <laughs> uh, you might notice uh, it's got a little stethoscope. <gasps> What's that for, Giovanni? Well, when it's time off, uh-huh. raising his kid, he's got to provide. <gasps> that, oh, you got a job? <laughs> yeah, he's a doctor now. 
I don't see any golden triangle or diamond on his forehead, Mike. Where'd you send him to school? Oh, wait a second. <laughs> hey, hey, we're going to get you a little scholarship yeah. after this episode, but uh, I'm glad he's got a job. Like, <laughs> let's put this little ED tube down. Oh, fuck. What the fuck? He bit me, Mike. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, see. Wait, wait. No, I, I think I'm bleeding. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let me, let me tip that ED tube out. I guess that's the priority. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, man, dude. What the fuck? He says your cholesterol's a little high, 190. Okay, that's that's useful. <laughs> Is he a Bene Gesserit now? I don't know. <laughs> What's going it's on? doctor. Okay. Okay. We got three today. Oh. Oh, Jesus. It's been a while. Oh, wow. I mean, should I be worried about the cholesterol level? Like, I mean, we'll we take care of it okay, later. Okay, okay, it's not on the timer. <laughs> You're good. So first it's also off, not going anywhere. Oh, this is perfect. Look at this. So Mark on Instagram. <gasps> Our uh, uh, official comic book illustrator from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Because we had some districts that I wanted to leave open. Whoa. Possibility. Oh. Expansion. <laughs> you, got, you got 49 others. 49. But uh, yeah, so he's got a new comic that we're, uh, we'll go ahead and post that on our Instagram. And depicting a tipsy bat channeling his inner Dracula and giving you a little revenge nibble. Oh, yeah, shit. I think I totally missed this one. Oh, it looks so good, too. Yeah. So we have the munchies, which is like, I smoke a lot of weed, so I know what this means. Uh, Giovanni looks like he's had enough wine, Derek. He's flapping. Eh, man, that looks like I never heard of one. Uh, it's called getting drunk. Wee. <laughs> I, I can't even hear you. You're like mumbling everything. Oh, okay. Um... I mean, that's mainly how it goes. Uh, I can't. I switched my cellular plan over to Distrans, so Megan and I can save money. Oh, that reminds me, Mike. Megan Distrans to you that we need to pick up milk. Oh, I assume I go. And Derek, you should really go for a checkup because your cholesterol tastes high. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think the comics are getting better and better. The quality is nice. He uh, typed out all of the dialogue on it, too, which is kind of cool. That, look, that looks really nice. It looks oh. great, Mark. Thank you. Uh, sorry, uh, this was in our messages. We totally both went by. It was during that really busy time when we were, like, behind on everything. One oh, yeah, it's 13th of January, Mike. Yeah, let's not talk about the date. <laughs> I'm going to say, man, you know what? The news was, news was troublesome, okay? <laughs> it was. The world sucked. So we got it at that mark. We're looking forward to the next one. Uh, and you guys can check that out on our Instagram. Now, that's, that's a really great one. Second one, Giovanni told me. Oh, yeah. He said there were three. Yeah. So Sothoff on Instagram messaged us. Is this, I don't, I'm not familiar, Mike. Sothoff on Instagram. Hey, guys. Hello. Can from, you say that 10 times fast? Sothoff, 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 Sothoff. There we go. Now you sound like a Leah. <laughs> oh, you got me. You got me. You got me. Hey guys, hello from Oregon. Wanted to say I'm loving this podcast. I'm only on episode 22, but it's amazing. I've been a Dune fan for a decade, and this deep dive is exactly what my nerdy soul has been needing. I wanted to hit you guys up with a suggestion. I'd love if there were stickers or shirts of your podcast logo. Maybe a pre-order type situation so it's not out of pocket. There's an extreme lack of cool Dune merch out there, which is also a massive shame. Also, I'd love for you guys to keep it up until at least God Emperor. Oh, we gotta get to chapter out of this. You got yeah. I mean, like, I feel like, well, you uh, you talked me into God Emperor, and I'm down for that. We were iffy on the other two. I'm, I'm kind of want to go for it. You said you've been re reading my, and listening to them recently. My, my rehash, I've loved them. It's like I think just going granular through Dune, it's just made them be like, oh, there's so many bits I've caught this time through where I'm just like, again, there's always a little bit more. 
always a little bit more. I, all right. Well, I, I think that might mean we're doing it. It's going to be pretty easy, I think, with each book. Because, like, yeah. I got you with Messiah by being like, Mike, it's half a Dune. Like, you, you got to do <laughs> we it. We measure things in Messiahs and Dunes Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And then once again, I'm like, Mike, it's only two Messiahs. Like, <laughs> what, what are two Messiahs, really? We can do that. It's we a Dune. Do he just told me. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, it's all going to pile together. Oh, uh, He is very consistent, though. All about, like, 48 chapters. Huh. Weird. I, I noticed within Heretics... How long are the chapters, though? A little bit shorter within yeah. Heretics and um, Chapter House. Mm-hmm. Both of them were, like, right along the thing. I'm like, I think he does his story arcs in, like, about that measurement. Maybe. It's, it's very consistent. Huh. Very, very cool. Very weird. But we'll but, uh, definitely get there. I, I love that. Out in Oregon, too. It's where it all started. I lived in Oregon for a while. Uh, I did a... Ye- oh, no. It's like my shortest span of time. But I lived out in Portland. And then I visited there as a child. I had an extended family where we went up, went up to, like, Crater Lake. Have oh, you yeah, I love Crater Lake. Oh, amazing. So I've been there twice. Uh, it's cool. Like, uh, so I love Oregon. I Oregon's had some family like, up in Oregon in uh, Eugene, and I loved... That's where yeah. I learned to fish, actually. Nice. Yeah, We I remember doing, like, we did a whole tour around. I remember going to, like, Three Sisters and seeing, like, the mountains there. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, we all, because we hit all the tourist stops, and uh, one thing was just, like, the biggest rocking chair. And it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's, like this giant, long rocking chair. It's, like, something built for Paul Bunyan, which is, like, <laughs> fucking great to see, the Paul Bunyan's lazy days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just, like, why, why is this here? I'm, like, you're lucky I'm, like, six right now. Uh, this brings up something that I actually talked to you recently about which i think it's just wild that this happened to pop up at the same time Ooh, what's that i was wondering like uh because like i think it'd be awesome to have like a little sh- like a shirt or a sticker oh yeah, there, yeah or like yeah. a mug i mean i'm a big coffee fan i would love a mug with our logo on it Ooh, we got a couple oh. stickers way back when just for ourselves sort of like in-house i mean mike you know i have a ritual coffee mug that like yeah. i bought while we went on a road trip it's the only coffee mug i've used for the past how, how many years ago was that now oh it was like eight years nine years really yeah holy damn that yeah. that blew my mind right then i thought you're fucking with me but, but I, I a spice world one that would be the one That'd i would replace good. that with that'd, that'd be pretty, be pretty sweet i would love that so yeah maybe that's something we're gonna look into here uh if you guys are in support of this let us know yeah uh, i think uh the more validation we have the more likely we are to actually make it happen for sure. Because, like, it, all, it at really, the end of the day, it's going to be for you guys. I, it doesn't take much to convince us to do anything. Really? <laughs> like a really? bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> a couple of go get them, champ. What would Peter uh, do? Like, you're part. right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> all right. So, uh, thank you for setting that in, Sothoth. And, uh, oh, our yeah, third thank one. Thank you very much. DJ Alpha T on Twitter. Oh, <gasps> if you recall, we had a message is, from them last week as well. Okay, this is the, the Sky DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I just shortened it to DJ Alpha T on Twitter. Awesome. Um, he says that he's a few episodes behind, but one question I've always had about Doom. Oh, what is it? Are there no alien life forms discovered? Do, do, do. I'm, this is fucking actually kind of creepy. So oh. just last night, I came across an article in Encyclopedia. I told you we're going to do a special episode on. Okay. And I'm just dropping this in between two dunes on Patreon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's all about the potential that oh. they did find a building constructed by aliens at some point in Dune. Where? It's way out on the fringes of the Empire. And this is like after God Emperor. We're out searching for these things. So it's called the Crompton Ruins. The Crompton Ruins? Yeah, so I want to dig into that for you. But without ruining that one to you, we specifically brought up alien life. So this is just a building that they find. Okay. 
let's dive into this. What did uh, you told me? You already answered back to him, right? Uh, no, not a, yet. Oh, oh, I thought you were I'll do that right back. after this chat. I'm sorry. No, 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 because you you totally answered back with the discussion we had back in that chapter of like the worms are kind of alien. They are life. alien life. Yeah, yeah, humans. I mean, like, well, like, I guess it's like, how do you, you, you and I both know that, like, I think what he means is intelligent, a, exactly. There's yeah. a connotation of the intelligent, but if you do remove that, for sure, the worms, yeah, yeah they yeah. gotta be. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is that? Otherwise, um, otherwise, otherwise, did we like, uh, did the Muad'Dibs come with us? Like, where did those animals come from? Did oh, we know his arc uh, that shit? I think he meant Paul. Mike, he's nope. human. What are you talking about? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. The hawks there? No, I mean, uh, like, there's. I mean, yeah. those I do assume the, came with us in a way. The, yeah, I think so too. The worms are the, just the only oddball, it seems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of like completely not, yeah. not life from Earth. Everything else has a pure Earth analog mm-hmm. to it. Um, so I don't know what we make from that. As for intelligent life, uh, we do go through um, all the way through Chapter House Dune. We never get there. But there are like a few scant lines that Frank drops. I do recall, and I can't find any specifics. Um, I know in like Children of Dune, there's something that uh, one of the main characters mentions of like this. Uh, he literally alludes to like if an outside alien force threatened humanity. Mm-hmm. Of sort of like the you know the plot of the Watchmen being like that's what Ozzy Mendez is kind of building towards. As like to like unify humanity, mm-hmm. it's sort of like him referencing is the same thing. But I just thought it weird of like an outside alien threat. Like, why would you bring that up, Frank, if you weren't like ever considering getting us there? Ooh. But then, like, even as we push the boundaries with God Emperor heretics and into Chapter House, we never get to alien. However, we do really start fucking with human DNA. And, like, we get half cat, half humans by the time you're what? in Chapter House. There are half fish, half humans that we never see but what? we're told about. Why? So, well, eh, we'll get there, Mike. But uh, we broaden the breadth of humanity to the point wow. where, like, I think there are aliens kind of. But I mean, at what point do you draw the line? Like, what is exa- human anymore? Exactly, right? Like, I think the scene is the identical scene as to, like, the cantina in Star Wars, but they are all human. Oh, my God. Even the face dancers, I don't even know how, like, human they are. If they can just turn into whatever they want. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example of, like, I mean, that is, again, like, we're still human, but we've stripped away your humanity in a right. way. What are you left with? And that's kind of what Frank pushes, where I said he he always pushes logical things to the extreme. We're going to push humanity to the extreme in every angle and be like, Mm -hmm. well, do you still think that's human? Is this still human? Is this why the Bene Gesserit asked that question? Mm -hmm. Like, it's all fair assumptions. The last thing I want to bring up is when we were talking about the Canopus system itself, there was a planet you said that, like, people couldn't get through its atmosphere. Like, it was impossible to get through. But there... Uh, there's theories that there's some sort of beacon there left by possibly a higher intelligence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That would be like oh, the yeah. only thing that I could think of. Oh, okay. I think you're going to really love the end of our Crompton rule between two deans then. Oh. There is a conclusion to that story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that's the best I can do, DJ Alpha T. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, but, uh, I really wish. You know what? I'm glad I actually can't put a definite answer on it for you. But yeah, I think it, it, again we're like is is aggravating as it can be. You want to have that plot hook available to you, mm-hmm. so that you can always introduce that option. Because I love, uh, and this isn't in the theory. This is like me running wild with something. I love the idea that the worms were put on Arrakis by someone else. 
That would have been really crazy cool. Like, they seem like a perfect terraforming tool for whatever they do. Why do you think they're a terraforming tool? Just the elimination of water. And I don't know to what means that's beneficial. Like, I don't think it's a human civilization. That's the point. Right, right, right. Like, it's not to make us the ideal environment. Right, right, right. It's to make whatever wanted this mm-hmm, the ideal mm-hmm. environment. It's like the aliens from Signs and, like, water's a big no-no. Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Water sucks, man. <laughs> Little girls leave it everywhere as traps. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> Little girls and killing things today. Little Jesus. girls and killing things. The real villain in Signs, right, was the little girl. <laughs> I think that's going to do it for us this week. <laughs> I think we hit all the all the points we meant <laughs> yeah. to hit. We plotted these all out months in advance. Does anyone have a question for us? Do you guys perhaps know a wine we could afford? Let us know. We're at Spice World Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can always send a distrans at SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And, of course, there's our website at SpiceWorldPod.com. And if you're looking for a way to support the show... Come join us over at our little sketch on patreon.com slash Spice World Pod. Uh, you can become a Spice Worlder. A Spice Worlder. And this week you can find our exclusive Between Two Dunes episodes like Ampliris, Guild Highliners, Norma Sevna. We've been talking about them a little bit more. I get more excited My, about them every I know, time. I know, dude. And we just dipped into famous Harkonnens, and it was a really fun trip. That was a pretty good one. She cured cigarettes, Mike. They're, they're harmless <laughs> now. God damn it. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but Derek. Yeah. I mean... I did a page count. I didn't peek at the chapter, but I did a page count. Oh, you figured it out. We got, yeah. One chapter left. Oh, my God. You're probably wondering how the book ends. It's like 20 pages. This is like the biggest chapter we've had in a while. Yeah. How are we going to wrap this all together in one chapter? Oh, Mike, let me sweep it through. I will tell you, we're going to resolve everything. Let's let's see where, when, when the ash is settled, when the dust, when the dust is on the ground, who remains? Who's standing? The entrance guard stepped aside, formed a short corridor of lances. There came a murmurous swish of garments, feet rasping the sand that had drifted into the residency. The Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV led his people into the hall. His burseg helmet had been lost, and the red hair stood out in disarray. His uniform's left sleeve had been ripped along the inner seam. He was beltless and without weapons, but his presence moved with him. Oh. That's what I got for you as we approach the conclusion That's of fighting. Frank Herbert's Dune. Oh. He definitely hasn't been in that room this whole time. Damn. Yeah. Uh, well, Mike, next week, the fucking war ends. This all comes over. But until then, the spice must flow. in scotland that uh dogs just leap off of there are 50 documented cases there's over 200 like urban cases and they don't know why they've literally brought in an experts to like look at this bridge and be like why do the dogs jump off the bridge she's <laughs> like we just need to fucking know and uh the worst part is so this bridge it's uh, it's useless at this point. It was built to connect an estate to the town. They blame it on the ghost, the white lady of like whatever the estate is named, is killing these dogs, and that's why they brought the expert. I'm like, look, they're really ruining the reputation of the white lady. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs>